the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is it time to do the show? Is that it, Zach? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Okay. All right. It's Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. And we've got a lot to talk about, especially as we start off today here on the show. Uh, coming up during the show today, let me just run through the guests that have been coming. Matt Hurt is going to be here. Americans for Prosperity. They've got some uh, teaching uh, material and some uh, events coming up in the near future. I want to tell you about those because I think you should get involved in it. Uh, if you want to make a change, uh, if you want to truly make something happen, uh, then you've got to get involved. Keep that in mind. Uh, and it, it, it it's not just the election coming up here at the end of the uh, the year. It's also uh, what's going to happen after the beginning of next year when the 2019 session begins and people will start thinking about, well, we've got to pass a law to do this or pass a law to do that. And personally, I'd like to see everybody not pass a law. All right, we got enough laws on the books right now that uh, we can keep everybody, you know, staying in the straight and narrow without passing more laws uh but here's the key if you have a law a piece of legislation that will absolutely move liberty forward that will undo the shackles of uh people who are trying to keep us from being free then i'm all about you all right want you to be free that's why we'll do that piece of legislation that I would like to see happen here in the state about the First Amendment, where no one on a college campus can take away your freedom of speech. We're going to be working on that. That is one piece that I'll be very, very diligent with. And there may be a few more that we might want to get diligent with as well. But my promise to you, what I get involved in seriously, what I'm get, I am I look at getting involved in will be things that promote freedom, period, that promote freedom. All right, so uh, later in the show, we've got Matt Hurt, so I was telling you, next hour. Then uh, Joe and Duck will be by, you know, and they'll be talking cars with us. We like to do that on Wednesday. If you got any car problems, a two three zero nine six five, four o'clock hour. They're going to answer your questions. Five o'clock hour. Uh, I'm really happy to say that David Sterling is going to be able to come by. He's running for Supreme Court Justice, and uh, I like David a lot. Uh, I want him to come on and talk about this story that was splashed on the paper yesterday about dark money, and how he has nothing to do with that. If there is a pack out there and they want to run ads. They can run any ads that they want to. It's that simple. So we'll talk to him about that and a lot of other things, and uh, he'll take some of your calls also here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. So that kind of wraps up what we're going to do in a nutshell. 
And then uh, tomorrow, uh, we'll have the communications director on. JR's out of the office tomorrow, so uh, Jamie will be on to talk to us in the first hour tomorrow. Then uh, State Representative Stephen Meeks will be with us in the 3 o'clock hour. So I've, I've taken you out into the future even. So know what's coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So let's talk about today. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of things that we can uh, discuss. For instance, you know, they've been dealing with this whole thing about the new, the new CIA director. And first of all, you know, they want to go after her because uh, they say she was uh, she had a lot to do with uh, uh, torture uh, during, um, you know, the Iraq war. And well, here, let's start off by doing this. Tom Cotton, our Senator Tom Cotton was on Fox and Friends this morning. And uh, here's what he had to say. Fox News alert in just a couple of hours from right now, CIA director nominee Gina Haspel in the hot seat expected to assure the Senate the CIA interrogation program is over during her confirmation hearing later today. Republican Senator Tom Cotton sits on the Senate Intel Committee, worked with Haspel during her time as deputy CIA chief, joins us right now from Capitol Hill to weigh in. Good morning, Senator. Morning, Steve. Well, the president, I think it was a day or two ago, tweeted out, uh, She's been tough on terrorists. Isn't that what we want? Yeah, Steve, if Gina Haspel being tough on terrorists is the worst thing the Democrats have on her, then that's not much of a case against her. Uh, This is a very distinguished career intelligence professional. She spent 33 years uh, in the CIA working against the Soviet Union and now Russia working against terrorists. Uh, 17 years ago, when we faced the worst attack on our soil in American history, uh, she was a mid-career officer and she put her hand up and said, I'm willing to go forward and do the tough jobs. And the agency leadership had the confidence and her integrity and her professionalism to entrust those jobs to her. Right. Um, but of course, they say, look, she she ran a CIA prison for a, a number of years, and that's very troubling. And she was uh, involved in the uh, enhanced inter- interrogation, which they refer to as torture, but at the time was considered uh, completely legal. What what are the Democrats doing with her? Well, well, Steve, first off, I just say that in those years, 2001 to 2003, Gina was a mid-career intelligence officer. Mm -hmm. This is the situation we faced. We had just been attacked with 3,000 Americans killed on our soil. The commander-in-chief directed those programs. The attorney general legally approved them. And the Democratic director of the CIA, George Tenet, supported them. He entrusted Gina to help. Uh, in that effort, right. and she did her jo- she did her job. She did it well with honor, integrity, and professionalism. Now, the Congress has since made a different judgment. Several years ago, mm-hmm. we passed a law that would prohibit some of the interrogation techniques that were used in those days. And Gina will say today in her testimony, she said repeatedly that she will follow the law mm-hmm. and she will maintain the highest ethical standards at the CIA. <laughs> Ultimately, what this comes down to is the Democrats in the Senate simply cannot accept the fact that Donald Trump is the president because Obama-era intelligence officials like John Brennan and Jim Clapper and Leon Panetta and Michael Morrell all support Gina Haspel's nomination. And the main reason you say that uh, she's getting some opposition on Capitol Hill from Democrats is simply because Donald Trump nominated her. I don't see how else you could explain it, Steve. I mean, when John Brennan and Jim Clapper, the director of the CIA and director of national intelligence for Barack Obama, don't just support Gina, but actively and 
openly advocate for mm -hmm. her? On what possible grounds are the Senate right. Democrats opposing her, other than the fact that Donald Trump nominated her? Uh, exit question. Just nod your head one way or another. Will she be uh, approved by the Senate? She'll get a bipartisan vote on the Senate Intelligence Committee. She'll have a bipartisan vote in the Senate. She will be the next CIA director. All right. That's good to know. Now we know. Tom Cotton, Senator. from the All right. So there you have. That's what uh, Senator Cotton had to say this morning. Uh, as you heard what he said, and it's important what he said, uh, you know, a lot of the people involved in the CIA over the past decade or so have firmly come out behind this woman, uh, Gina Haspel, and have said she'd be the perfect person for the CIA. Now, the Democrats, what they're doing is going back and, and playing uh, 2020 uh, eyesight from a long time ago, except that they forget that Tenet, who was a Democrat and head of the CIA, was a, a man who helped put those enhanced interrogation techniques into uh, the CIA. What were some of the enhanced uh, things that were done? Uh, waterboarding. That was done. Do you know that our own troops face waterboarding when they go through Sears training? Did you know that? No, oh, you didn't know that. Most people don't. Uh, we do that to our own troops at times uh, to teach them how to withstand interrogation. Uh, they uh, threw people in the walls, which were built in such a way that they gave so the person wouldn't be hurt. That did, They did that at Guantanamo. Uh, and then... Um, I guess one of the other sleep deprivation. You don't get to sleep. You know, leave the lights on in the cell. They may play loud music. They may uh, do a lot of things. They may make you uncomfortable by taking away your blanket and things of that nature. Folks, it's a time of war. Just telling you. And understand that the people that we were fighting about, uh, with uh, over in Iraq, for the most part, weren't even a legitimate army. Uh, they were terrorists that we were fighting. That's what was going on. They weren't. It's not like they were wearing uniforms or anything like that. You know, people want to talk about. You know, the, well, we want Geneva. Uh, you know, you know, stuff uh, followed uh, at that time. You don't have to. They're not in a uniform. A lot of people don't understand that. Unless you're in, you're in uniform, you're not considered. A, you know, a combatant, so to speak. So, uh, I had, and I still do not have any sympathy. For those people, uh, I'm sure that hospital would tell people that there were uh, there was information they got that they were able to use. Now, her stand now is, hey, look, you went back a few years later and you changed the rules. No more, you know, waterboarding, things of that nature. OK, we understand that. You make the rules, we follow the rules as uh, loyal soldiers, so to speak. And uh, as long as not uh, an immoral order. And so they uh, they said, you're not going to do that anymore. Okay, she says, as CIA director, I will not do any of the, those old enhanced techniques. I mean, look, if we went back to World War II, you might be surprised at what our techniques could be at that time i mean you could strike uh you know people and things of that nature during world war ii without uh you know running into any problems i mean they i'm sure they punched a lot of japanese and i'm sure they punched a lot of nazis i'm just telling you to get information okay so with that said gina haspel uh sitting in front of the intelligence committee 
I, I wanted you to hear, she tells a really moving story of an agent who lost her life in the field. That's a cut number one there, Zach. Let's play that. Our officers are out there fighting extremists, Al-Qaeda, and the Taliban. Um, We have 125 stars on our memorial wall now. Many of those, it's shocking how many stars we've added. I believe we added seven stars to our wall uh, last year. Um, Perhaps I could cite one personal example of an officer who worked for me. She was the most extraordinary woman. She was our number one al-Qaeda expert. I worked with her in the counterterrorism center. She was having our third baby in those days following 9-11. But we needed her because she had such deep expertise. She later worked for me on terrorism issues in a, a foreign capital. Um, and then she went to Afghanistan. And she and uh, six colleagues uh, were murdered by a suicide bomber who penetrated our base. There you go. Think about that. They asked her to come back, and the lady came back without any kind of qualms. Just after giving birth to her third child, ended up in Afghanistan, killed in a suicide bomber's attack. That's the people that are out putting their lives on the line, and it irritates the living you-know-what out of me when there's senators and there's congressmen who sit on those panels who've never done one day in their life in any capacity putting their lives on the line for this country and second-guess people in that are in situations that are intenable. Unbelievable to me. All right, it's 20 minutes after 10. I think sit down and just shut up, you know? Leave some of this stuff alone. I mean, I, I understand you want to make sure the money's spent right. You want to make sure that we're not cutting people's heads off or whatever. Remember, that's the enemy who does that, all right? It's the enemy we're fighting that cuts people's heads off. It's the enemy that puts people in cages and puts them in water and drowns them. It's the enemy who puts people in cages and burns them alive. We don't do that. So sit down and shut your pie hole. Just the way I feel about it. All right, don't forget about Sonny's. Sonny's did a great job for me just uh, yesterday. I got back from them. My 2009 Corolla and my 2009 Corolla needed a uh, engine, uh, had a chamber that was getting about 90% compression, so it was running rough, and there was no way to fix it without spending more money than it would cost to buy an engine from Sonny's, a well-maintained uh, engine, comes from a total loss vehicle, only had 58,000 miles on it. They had their mechanics put it in for me. And uh, new water pump, timing belt, all of that. Uh, and on top of it, I got a three-year parts and labor warranty on it and unlimited mileage on that warranty. You can't beat that. I mean, it was just for just a tad over uh, 3K. That is saving money, I think, when you got to make a, a repair or you have to go out and buy a new car. And then you probably are going to have to turn around you put the three thousand dollars down on something that maybe costs seventeen grand. You're gonna pay a monthly payment after that. I can just tell you this much: <laughs> you're you're gonna be long way ahead. I have a new trans. I got a new transmission. I got a new motor in it. It's got three years on the uh, parts and labor on both parts and unlimited mileage. Anything goes wrong, they'll fix it absolutely free. Great deal. 
you can have that done at Sonny's Auto Salvage. Their mechanics are ready to serve you. RG, a help find a part for your automobile. All you got to do is call them, 982-7451, 982-7451. And don't forget that if you hate paying taxes, well, it can get worse. <laughs> I'm just saying it can get worse than what it is. Uh, just wait until you withdraw money from your IRA, your 401k, or other retirement accounts because there's such a thing as a required minimum distribution. I bet you you're, the guy who takes care of your uh, retirement accounts and stuff didn't mention this, all right? What that does, it could force you to withdraw money from your account whether you want to or not. And, I mean, I think it's at 70 years old that they can really start cranking this. Because, see, if you put money in your 401K and it was put in as tax deductible, what the government wants now is to start making you have to take the money out. Because when you take the money out, then it's taxed, so the government gets theirs. And the government always gets theirs. I mean, that's what uh, that's what Uncle Sugar always does, Right. So uh, that can trigger an avalanche of taxes for you, and every year could get more and more expensive. Uh, David Lucas specializes in strategies that could reduce these taxes and save you thousands of dollars. Published author, host of the David Lucas Show right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, a guest on my show. If you've saved at least uh, $200,000 for retirement, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free review now at 501-653-6690. If you want to learn how you could save thousands in taxes on your IRA or your 401k, call 501-653-6690. By the way, um, think Roth, all right? When you're thinking about the 401ks, don't think of a regular 401k think Roth because they tax the money before it goes into the account so you don't owe money to the government after you start removing uh, the money uh, from your account. All right, yesterday uh, we talked about, you know, the the, uh, president stopped the uh, deal with Iran about uh, nuclear weapons and things. Let me let me play what he said again. This is cut number three. The Iran deal is defective at its core. If we do nothing, we know exactly what will happen. In just a short period of time, the world's leading state sponsor of terror will be on the cusp of acquiring the world's most dangerous weapons. Therefore, I am announcing today that the United States will withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. In a few moments, I will sign a presidential memorandum to begin reinstating U.S. nuclear sanctions on the Iranian regime. We will be instituting the highest level of economic sanction. Any nation that helps Iran in its quest for nuclear weapons could also be strongly sanctioned by the United States. America will not be held hostage to nuclear blackmail. We will not allow American cities 
to be threatened with destruction. And we will not allow a regime that chants death to America to gain access to the most deadly weapons on Earth. Today's action sends a critical message. The United States no longer makes empty threats. When I make promises, I keep them. All right. That was president yesterday. We had played the uh, the full uh, speech that he gave uh, after he said we were out of the Iran, uh, Iranian deal. That was a kind of a condensed version of that. When we come back, let you hear what Netanyahu had to say from the president of Israel. What he said was uh, very, very important for you to hear. But now the news. All right. We continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Promised that I would play uh, from uh, Bibi Netanyahu over in Israel what he had to say about uh, Trump getting out of the Iranian uh, treaty, so to speak. It, it wasn't a treaty, but it was a treaty. It's just silly what they did. They they went around Congress so they wouldn't have to get Congress to agree to, quote, a treaty because it would have never gone flew, flew that way. So anyway, it was sitting there. Uh, Trump said, nope, we're out of it. Here's what Netanyahu said about it. That President Trump did an historic move. And this is why Israel thanks President Trump for his courageous leadership, his commitment to confront the terrorist regime in Tehran, and his commitment to ensure that Iran never gets nuclear weapons. Not today, not in a decade, not ever. Pretty straight there, huh? Uh, And they, they have a whole lot more going with that. Uh, than we do i mean they happen to be living right next door to uh, iran and uh, you know jordan and syria and a lot of other places Um, i mean jordan typically is you know pretty moderate but still they're not the 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 friendly it's kind of like the guy who lives next to you and has all kinds of uh, guns pointed at you but hasn't been shot at you in a long time we can go back a little bit, and that's not the way it always has been. Hey, I, I just sent you a piece of audio, uh, Zach, that I think everybody would like to hear as Tom Cotton was uh, questioning uh, Haspel today uh, during the meetings about uh, CIA director and let uh, you can hear her talking to him. Uh, has that showed up in your file yet? Okay. I'll make if it doesn't, by the time we take a break here in a moment, I'll come over and we'll figure out what happened. But we'll play it before the top of the hour for everybody to to, to hear it. Uh, Senator Cotton did talk to her uh, earlier and asked her this question that I found really interesting. Cut number two. Senator Cotton. Thank you, Mrs. Haspel, for your many decades of service to our country and for taking on this new role, uh, despite the accusations, entirely false, you know that you would face from some of my colleagues in the Senate and from the media, some of these protesters we've seen here today. I'm very grateful to you, as I know that all the men and women of the CIA are grateful. I have to clear up some of the things that have been said here before. Senator Warner said that he worried about the message we would be sending if we confirmed you to the director of CIA. Well, let's look at that from the other direction. What message would we be sending if we didn't confirm you to the CIA, to the men and women of the CIA? 
to the GS-15s who may be asked to take on a controversial position that a future administration with new lawyers might not like. And for that matter, what message does overwhelming Democratic opposition to your nomination send? In fact, if you had been nominated by President Obama, or if Hillary Clinton had won and nominated you to be the CIA director, how many votes do you think you would have gotten to be confirmed as CIA director? You don't have to answer. <laughs> she didn't say anything. Oh, you don't have to answer. Because the answer, that's one of those rhetorical questions that we always talk about. None. That's what would happen. That's. Oh, she got all the she got all the the Democrat votes if she'd been nominated by Obama or by Hillary Clinton for sure. Oh yeah, she's the best choice. This way it works. Uh, don't forget about my good friends at PI Roofing. They are set and ready to help you, and they they will help you more than any other roofing company around. Why do I say that? Well, I've, number one, I know Joel Johnson, the man who owns it, great Christian guy. Uh, will give you the best uh, customer service you've ever had. They'll come out and they find you got a leak and they, they'll find it and they'll they'll repair it for you. They're, as roofers, are none, nobody better. But they've gone an extra step for you. They've hired people now that are part of uh, the company that can fix the drywall that got wet or can do the interior painting that needs to be done because the ceiling is like uh, half the ceiling is a different color than the other half of the ceiling because of the water that got in. They can do exterior painting or carpentry work, work on the ventilation because water got inside of it or the insulation that got, you know, totally wet and now, isn't worth the money that you paid for for it. Now, to get somebody else to do this, other than the roofing company that's fixing your your roof, in this case, PI Roofing is who you're going to use, uh, know that you're going to you're, it's going to be on you to go out and find the contractors that do all those different business, all those different working uh, uh, things that you need done. But if you just turn to PI Roofing, they've got the people hired right there, and they just include it in fixing your roof and then they go on and they fixed all the damage that happened because of the water uh that got into your house so go with the you know the people who can take care of you completely that's pi roofing all you have to do is go to piroofing.com or give them a call at 501-687-6246 all right so let's go back to uh congress uh, where the Senate is grilling uh, 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 Gina Hespel about being the new CIA uh, director. And Tom Cotton was up, and here's how his questioning went. Thanks, Senator. Senator Cotton. Thank you, Mrs. Haspel, for your many decades of service to our country and for taking on this new role, uh, despite the accusations entirely false you know that you would face from some of my colleagues in the Senate and from the media some of these protesters we've seen here today I'm very grateful to you as I know that all the men and women of the CIA are grateful I have to clear up some of the things that have been said here before Senator Warner said that he worried about the message we would be sending 
if we confirmed you to the director of CIA. Well, let's look at that from the other direction. What message would we be sending if we didn't confirm you to the CIA, to the men and women of the CIA, to the GS-15s who may be asked to take on a controversial position that a future administration with new lawyers might not like? And for that matter, what message does overwhelming Democratic opposition to your nomination send? In fact, if you had been nominated by President Obama or if Hillary Clinton had won and nominated you to be the CIA director, how many votes do you think you would have gotten to be confirmed as CIA director? You don't have to answer. I also have to take exception to what Senator Warner said when he called an opinion of the Office of Legal Counsel that was signed off by the Attorney General of the United States as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Do you believe, acting under the legal approval of the Attorney General, that you or any other CIA officer should have gone to jail and you needed a get-out-of-jail-free card? You can answer that one, please. Senator, CIA follows the law. Exactly what I thought. Let's turn to the circumstances of what the Counterterrorism Center was doing in the days you were there. I think Senator Collins asked an excellent sequence of questions that got at many of these points. I just want to tie a bow on some of them. This was, these programs were, to the best of your understanding, approved by the Commander-in-Chief, legally approved by the Attorney General, and supported by the director of the CIA, who I point out at the time was the former Democratic staff director of this committee. Is that correct? That's correct, Senator. You said that you were not a senior manager when those programs were created. Is that correct? That's correct. Was John Brennan, a member of the Senior Intelligence Service and the Deputy Executive Director at the time, a senior manager, in your opinion? Senator, I believe Mr. Brennan was the deputy exter of the yes. agency at that time. And you'd consider that a senior manager position at the CIA? I believe it's a number four position. For John Brennan, who was confirmed to be the CIA director by the following members of this committee, Senator Warner, Senator Feinstein, Senator Heinrich, Senator Collins, Senator King, Senator Burr, Senator Manchin, Senator Wyden, and Senator Rubio. Um, let's turn to the question about the tapes that were destroyed in 2005. The Iran deal is defective at its core. If we do nothing. All right. We had a problem there. Had a couple of pieces of audio cross. We'll try to get that fixed up. Play later on with Senator Cotton. Some interesting things that he was just getting ready to get into about those tapes that supposedly were erased. Protocol at the CIA at that time is they didn't have to be stored. Of course, they got erased. That's the way it uh, it always worked. There's nothing. There's nothing new there. It's all smoke and subterfuge from the Democrats as usual. All right. The last story that I wanted to cover during uh, this hour is just really an interesting uh, story. But it give you a, a lot of interest. We, we've got it now. Okay, we've got Tom Cotton's piece back again. I'll, I'll make sure I get the jobs to workers ratio now is nearly one to one. Last time that happened was back in 2000. We'll talk about it as we go on. But right now, here's the senator. Let's turn to the question about the tapes that were destroyed in 2005. 
did any lawyer at any time in any organization of the federal government say there was a legal prohibition to destroy those tapes senator they did not they were very consistent that there was no legal requirement to preserve the tapes because of the written record and it's your it's your testimony that there is a written record that fully documents whatever may or may not have happened Senator, yes, and there were two reviews done of the written record by the Office of General Counsel and the Office of the Inspector General. In other words, the CIA has a record no different from the federal court system, which keeps transcripts and allows sketch drawings, but does not allow video recordings in a federal courtroom. Is that correct? That's correct, Senator. You were the chief of staff to Mr. Rodriguez when this happened, correct? Yes. And at his direction, you drafted a cable that he later sent. That's correct. Michael Morrell, who supported Hillary Clinton in the last election, cleared you of any wrongdoing in drafting that cable? He did. As did an investigation by the Office of Special Counsel and the Office of the Inspector General? That investigation was closed without charges for Mr. Rodriguez or anyone. Would holding you responsible for drafting a cable at your boss's direction make any more sense than holding a Senate speechwriter responsible for the boring speeches senators give on the Senate floor? Senator, I'll defer to you. <laughs> I would submit that it does not. Finally, uh, there's a lot of talk about policy guidance and that there was some awareness by Mr. Rodriguez that higher uh, officials in the government who were political appointees had qualms or expressed reservations. I would say that's another way for which politicians don't want to take responsibilities when they are placed in certain positions, whether they are elected or appointed, and give the answers that they are responsible for giving, yes or no, and take the chips to fall where they may. All right. So that was uh, Senator Cotton today. And uh, I, I firmly believe Jen, uh, Gina Haspel is going to be confirmed uh, over in Congress and is going to be the new CIA director because, look, when they talk about enhanced interrogation, when she was the assistant director, she was under tenant at that time who was put in by the Democrats. And now they want to go back and, uh, and say, well, he shouldn't have done that. You can't do that. You got to live with history. They did what they, uh, they wanted to do. We had just been attacked, 9-11. Uh, 3,000 Americans lie death in smoldering piles of, of airplanes and buildings, and we did what we had to do. I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line. Move on. You've changed the rules now. Move on. All right, go back now to the, uh, the, uh, the story today on the front page of the Arkansas Dim Gas, and I had been reading different stories, and it looks like they compiled – wire reports from like Reuters, AP, and all the rest for their, uh, for this story. There's a job vacancy waiting to be filled for almost every unemployed American. The labor market has come within a hair of reaching that milestone for the first time in record going back to 2000. Job opening surged to a record 6.55 million in March. The Labor Department reported on this on Tuesday. That compares with a 6.585 million unemployed workers in March, just 35,000 more than the number of available positions. Now, they say it's a historical anomaly, 
Typically, there are far more unemployed people than advertised job openings, often twice as many. Uh, Going back to 2009, there were 6.7 unemployed uh, people on average for each open job. And with that ratio, now at essentially one-to-one, the job market appears that it's, uh, you know, big time, uh, you know, filled up. And it's tilting in favor of workers. Why? Because if if there's one for one, then you want to be able to get the best one. And that means typically you'll start raising salaries to make sure you get uh, the best one. And, and that's beginning to happen now. Uh, the sharp jump in openings, they rose nearly 8% in March, does raise questions, says this article. If employers are so desperate, for instance, why aren't they raising pay sharply enough to attract and keep employees? Maybe they're happy with the ones that they have right now. Maybe they're biding their time a little bit. Though pay has now uh, risen uh, in recent months. Some economists say they still think the spike in open jobs means that employers will have to raise pay even faster in coming months. And uh, Charles uh, Rupkley, chief executive economist of, at uh, MUFG Bank, said this, wages have nowhere to go but up, and it's just a matter of time. Some data suggests that workers are earning more. One measure of wages and salaries rose in the first three months of the year, by the most in 11 years. So uh, hourly pay is up by 2.6% just in April. When's the last time we heard that? When's the last time you might have heard of getting a raise uh, out there in uh, employed land? These, This is important things. And here's the other thing that it's important about. It's important because people who refuse to work, you shouldn't feel sorry for them because they have jobs to take, but they refuse to take them. I mean, I understand uh, when you have people who can't take a job because they're disabled or they can't work or whatever, but it has to be a situation where a person can not take care of themselves. If they're able to work, they should have a job. And, you know, we got to come around to seeing that we're not being mean to people uh, when we take them off of government assistance or cut it back uh, severely uh, because they refuse to work. There is character in having a job you should be working just like the bible says if you don't work neither shall you eat if you can work get off of your butt the jobs are out there go find one go to work and we'll help you every other way that we possibly can we can do it through our churches though we don't have to do it through the government all right matt hurt from uh, americans for prosperity coming up next in the uh uh, three o'clock hour plus. I'm going to try to get a hold of the Secretary of State and find out how early voting turnout is going. It's all happening here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get into the three o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. That was an, just a great story 
that we finished up that last uh, hour with this uh, new story that is out and this is huge i'm going to tell you right now media is not going to talk about it makes trump look too good just telling you this makes trump look too good jobs to workers ratio now is near one to one wages in april went up two and a half percent and you're going to go up higher when you tightened up the job market like this so people are going to make more money this is what we talked about you're going to make more money you're going to get more of your money back because of the tax cut that has happened. And so, uh, you know, when 2020 comes, if this keeps going like this and the president keeps scoring big uh, big deals in international relations, like meeting with, uh, you know, Un coming up here pretty soon, getting three American prisoners out and all the rest, there, there's going to be a lot of Democrats who want to run right now that are suddenly not going to want to run in 2020. All right, Matt Hurt's going to join us. He's from Americans for Prosperity. He's coming into the area here in just a a few weeks, and he's going to be sending some other people in from Americans for Prosperity to teach you some good, good stuff about grassroots politicking. How you doing, Matt? David, it's so good, uh, so good to be on with you today. And I am actually, I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana right now. I'm watching you on the Facebook live stream. It's almost like I'm in studio with you. All right. Well, I'm, I'm loving that. I'm glad that you're, uh, you're, you're with us uh, in, in spirit, so to speak. Uh, I know you're going to be here in the city in the not-too-distant future. For Let me just ask you first, because you're like me. You watch the news. What do you think about this story uh, that broke that I got here from the front page today? And I, I've been talking about it. Let me just open it up here, and I can show this to everybody on 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 the the feed they'll change it see it says jobs to to workers ratio near one to one i didn't make it up folks it is uh the way it is i mean this has not happened since all the way back to 2000 it happens just ever so often when you make the right decisions about how to uh, ignite the economy, and Trump has been doing great on it. Would you agree? Well, what and and you you had an excellent point before the break, and again here is is there is dignity in work. Um, yes, people go out and believe they are achieving their American dream, whatever that is. In a situation, especially like right now, when unemployment is at its lowest in nearly twenty years. Um, employers are going to be fighting for good employees. They're, they're also going to be more available jobs than there are available workers. And so uh, those employers are going to be raising wages, increasing those benefits to try to lure uh, those who are already employed away from jobs that they're probably satisfied with now anyway. Yeah, Econ 101, my man. That's what that's what you're talking here. Economy 101. <laughs> you're coming in. You're going to talk about you know, grassroots and, and how people can get involved and they need to get involved now, get trained and be ready to go. Uh, definitely getting close to November, but uh, for sure in January where the politicians are meeting again up in the Capitol. Well, you know, and, and we did an event there back in January that you were part of uh, teaching people about economic freedom and opportunity. And we're going to be back in both Little Rock and Clarksville starting next week. Uh, Pam Hooper down there, she is just a darling. 
uh, and Ryan Norris, uh, the state staff there, are just absolutely fantastic. And so we are starting next Tuesday. Let me make sure I've got my calendar right. Next Tuesday, the 15th, May the 15th, we are kicking things off in Little Rock at the Americans for Prosperity Foundation office, which is at, uh, it looks, uh, 11300 North Rodney Parham Road. So yeah, Rodney Parham. Rodney Parham, yeah, brother. Rodney, pa- Ro- Rodney Parham, and we are— You sound like a northerner. Watch it. <laughs> we're, we're bringing in a hometown boy, uh, Doug Tubin, who is a former field director from Arkansas. He came over and joined our team uh, several months ago. He's a rock star. He's going to kick things off um, in, in Little Rock on Tuesday. And then we are in Clarksville on the following Thursday um, at 605 West Lucas Street, and that's the Lucas Community Center. Zach will be there as well. And then I will be through town the following week. Uh, with night two. And so I'm looking forward to being back uh, in Little Rock and, and out in Clarksville. And just like what we did in January with the listeners who came out and when you came out, uh, we had about 50 folks there. I would love to see just uh, a situation where we have too many people than the room can hold. And, and we'll figure that out logistically when we get there. But you've got a, you've got a great group of listeners um, in, in your radius who are tuned into what's going on. They've seen the jobs report. They know that economic freedom and opportunity is uh, is what makes us, what makes America great, truly. Um, and the Grassroots Leadership Academy is a nonpartisan, nonprofit training organization that provides that knowledge, those skills and techniques to go out and talk about free free societies to their friends and neighbors in the community. You guys hear, your listeners hear the ads that, that – that uh, Americans for Prosperity Arkansas run, and and we're out there fighting in the in the trenches for for freedom and opportunity. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to this. We'd like to get you guys on when you come through. Stop by. You got a lot of information to share uh, with the listeners. They're not going to get the whole program by any stretch of the imagination. People need to go to those pro those programs. Now you said next Tuesday night would be the first, and then the following Tuesday night would be the second. Folks that are out uh, to the west you know, around Clarksville, we get to Moralton. So if you're driving through that area, you're from, uh, you know, Cl- you know, Clarksville, know that Thursday night is when they're going to meet with you next week and the week after. Uh, what time are you going to start? Do you know where you're going to be located at when you're here in Little Rock? Yes, and this is actually a it is a six week program. I would I would if you're if you're thinking about coming out and checking it out. I would block off about two hours of your time. We'll provide you dinner um, and about an hour and a half of programming. Very interactive. Um, our, our trainers are all very engaged over the following six weeks. And like I said, in, in Little Rock, we're actually going to be at our Americans for Prosperity Foundation office, uh, which is there at uh, 11300. You may have to do this again for me. North Rodney Parham Drive. Or Rodney Parham. Are you still there? We just lost him. All right, we lost Matt. He'll call us right back here. We'll get him, get him, get him back on. But I just have to make sure that he says Rodney Parham. <laughs> Don't want him to be sounding like some northerner, although he is. All right, let's see. It looks like he's back. You're back. Okay, we got you again. Okay, I'm back. So- I think it's a, it's a conspiracy. I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm back. So, 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 like I said, we're gonna be we're gonna be at the NFC Foundation. Hope it's a little rock. And then, um, and that is Tuesday night, starting at it looks like starting at six p.m. There'll be about thirty minutes for dinner, uh, and then we will provide that for you. That is at no cost to you. We'd like to show appreciation 
for the folks who come out. Um, and then on Thursday night, we're going to be, like I said, the Lucas Community Center in Clarksville. And it's six weeks of training. Now, we're not going to tell you guys everything that we're going to talk about on the radio today, but I will tease it up a little bit. Next week, we're talking about the philosophy of freedom, what we call free societies, what it means when people are able to achieve, uh, you know, break down internal and external barriers to achieve their American dream. I'll be through talking about the, the next week, talking about sharing your personal story. You know, Dave, you have a story. Your wonderful staff have individual stories. And what we like to do is tie those personal stories in with a philosophy of, of free, free and open societies, of, of limited government and economic freedom, uh, and tell those stories through the lens of our own personal experience so we can relate to our friends at church, to folks we meet at the supermarket, to folks we meet out on the soccer field um, that give us that opportunity to talk about freedom. That next week, uh, week three, we talk about persuasive messaging. So now you know how to talk about freedom. You know how to talk about it through the lens of your personal experience. And now we want to encourage you how to persuade people. And I'll fast forward to, to night six, the final night of training. Now, you, you want to come to all of these, but one of my favorites is night six, and it's called Impacting Your Elected Official, where we, talk, we, we basically roll all of the training in. And we teach you how to go and talk to elected officials about the policies of freedom, the policies that you care about, in a way that is meaningful and beneficial. And, and I will add one more thing. Speaking of elected officials, this is breaking news on your show, Dave. We just added a brand-new trainer to our region, to the southeast, a young lady by the name of, of Jenna Netherton, who comes to us. She's a former state senator from South Dakota. And she'll be talking about her experiences um, through the lens of, of being a state representative and a state senator in these trainings. And, and I'm sure we have her on the calendar coming through at some point in Arkansas. Good. It'd be great to have her here. There's, there's a lot to be said for the people who stand up and uh, can talk to us who have uh, been into the, uh, the arena of battle, so to speak. Absolutely. All right. So this all gets underway next week. And what, you attend as many uh, of these as you possibly can, correct? So we want you to come in on the ground floor at night one. We understand that, that a lot of folks have busy schedules. Um, to complete the certification, so to speak, we want you to attend at least five of them. There are some other uh, caveats and things we want folks to engage in their community. But I understand, you know, folks are busy. We want you to come to as many of these as possible, but especially night one to kick things off to set the tone. And look, you're going to get to hang out with Pam Hooper, who is just, again, like I said, a delight. Um, and Zach Kubin kicking things off as, as the hometown boy um, for the training that night. And it's just going to be great. It's a great opportunity for fellowship. It's a, I'll be, I'll be pragmatic and practical. It's a great opportunity to not have to worry about who's cooking dinner that night. So come mm -hmm. out and enjoy fellowship and, and a meal and, and a good solid hour and a half's worth of, of programming and training. Well, the number one thing you must have, the proper framework to understand what we're what what's trying to be done here. So you have to understand what does it mean to have a free society. You need to understand that. So that that's why you guys I know are being so, you know, forceful of saying be here for that first meeting. Absolutely. And and Dave, you've been again, I, I can't thank you enough for, for what you've allowed us to do and, and, and be with your listeners and be in the studio and on the phone talking about the importance of these policies, because I guarantee you there is at least one person listening to the show today who's frustrated about the direction of the country, even though the job support is great, but maybe they're frustrated about the state of Arkansas, they're frustrated about what's going on in Little Rock, and they want to do something about it. 
And this program is, is I look, I know a lot of training operations across the political spectrum. This is the, the best one that plugs activists into those policies that make sense at the local, state, and even the federal level. And what we're seeing is, is when we show up, we win. When we show up at city council yep. meetings, we win the debate. When we show up at the legislature, we stop bad legislation and, 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 and advance good legislation. And, and, I, and I'm proud of what you guys have accomplished there now. Uh, and, I, and the sky's the limit. There's so much more we can do. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Ryan again. Ryan stops by from time to time. He was a great addition uh, here in the state of Arkansas. He's doing such a great job for Americans for Prosperity and uh, comes on the show from time to time and have been doing uh, some different things uh, with some events here locally. We did a you know, Tax Freedom Day a couple of weeks ago, and it was very, very well attended. It was very well run. And I got to tell you what, uh, good things are happening, but you got to get yourself educated about how to really be able to dig down and, and fight the battle for freedom. I don't say this about every state director, um, but Ryan Norris is, is one of my favorites. He's really embraced this, uh, the way that we, we operate and, and being able to envision what could be. And he's done so many great things. Again, I can't, I can't praise the state staff enough, uh, both Ryan and Pam. Um, and, and Zach, who you guys will see, no doubt, when you come through. When you come to the training again next week on Tuesday in Little Rock at 6 p.m., uh, we'll, we'll provide you a hot meal. There'll be fellowship. There'll be opportunities to engage. Look, this isn't, this isn't like a college lecture where we talk at you for an hour and a half and you go home wondering what just happened. This is intensely engaging. You'll get to know your neighbors. You'll get to know the folks you're sitting with. Um, and at the end, you will realize that, that you've learned about freedom and opportunity and you've made some friends and you know that you can go out and accomplish big things uh, in the community. Well, as I like to tell people, there's a time to bitch, but you got to be willing to get involved if you want to change things. And here's the opportunity to do it. I appreciate that you're going to come in here in a couple of weeks, but I'm really appreciative of Americans for Prosperity helping folks uh, understand the political process, understand how to, to meet with a, a state representative or state senator, how to make a winning and compelling argument. These are all important parts that have to be done to win the war. My political mentor, Morton Blackwell, says political success is determined by the number and effectiveness of activists on a given side. So it's not only how many people show up, it's how effective you are. And so not only is it important to show up, but it's important to know how to advance liberty, how to advance economic freedom, how to break down internal and external barriers that allow everyone in this country, everyone in this community to achieve their American dream. All right. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right, Matt. See you then, Dave. All right. Talk to you. All right. Matt Hurt here on the Velswick Show, Americans for Prosperity. This is a great program. Uh, take, take uh, you know, the uh, availability of being able to learn some really, really good things uh, that turn into good things when you go over to the Capitol and you meet with state reps and state senators. You know, conventional wisdom says you should delay claiming Social Security to maximize your benefits. I've heard that for most of my life. But that strategy today could cost you uh, tens of thousands of dollars. There's a lot more to claiming your Social Security benefits than you know. 
Your decision could trigger an avalanche of taxes and double your Medicare premiums. Ultimately, it could cost you tens of thousands of dollars, possibly even more. So learn how you could avoid this with a free, customized Social Security review from David Lucas of uh, David Lucas Financial right here in North Little Rock. David's a published author, host of the David Lucas Show right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. If you've saved 200000 k for retirement, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free review right now at 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. All right, coming up, I was sent uh, a, a piece of... Uh, well, writing was kind of a little theme to me from Mayor of Livermore, California, who explained President Trump's popularity and success. I'm going to read that to you when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue. And yeah, I got a hold of Jason. He's forwarding the information. <laughs> Let me. I, Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I. I got to say this, okay, because it bothers me. Early voting started yesterday. So every day, someone in the Secretary of State's office should have the latest numbers to share with the media about how uh, early voting is going. They, You guys shouldn't have to guess at this. You should have set up for this. There's people over there. This is your job. I shouldn't have to call somebody who I know that works over there who can say, well, yeah, I, we can get you that information. And I've been just told to uh, to Russ, well, yeah, but we don't have a lot. You know, come on. Do your job, man. Sorry. I just made an enemy. I know I have, but I... In, uh, okay, I'm ready. You enjoyed that, didn't you? Watching on Facebook. <laughs> People on the radio enjoyed it even more. Could they hear it booming? That was of my head. I was forehead and I was car. smashing my forehead into the microphone. Stuff that it shouldn't be that difficult to get information. And if they if they say, well, you know, the different counties then it seems to me it's time that somebody needs to call the different counties and say it's part of your job to have the information. Doesn't It doesn't take a rocket scientist to put this stuff together. Not that difficult. Anyway, we'll try to figure something out here. I've got somebody working on something, and we'll see if I can give you some information about Early voting. I'd like to know how many people go in the polls. It tells us a lot. If people aren't flooding to 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 vote, you wonder about you know the renegade candidate and how she's doing. Here's the news. All right, let's continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I've got this uh, piece that was sent to me by a friend, and I want to read it to you. And uh, supposedly, now I won't vouch for this 100% that it was written by the mayor of Livermore, California. But that's what this says. I'm going to read it because I believe 
that it articulates what many people believe about President Trump, I being one of them. I know there's a lot of people who don't like him because he doesn't, quote, carry through the typical decorum uh, that we want from people, and I won't deny that. There's things personally about the man that I don't like, but I'm going to tell you what. As president, he's done some extraordinary things already. I mean, what he's done about regulatory review is huge. What he did about the tax cut, though I think it could have been better by a long shot, but still got it through, uh, is to be commended. Bringing back prisoners from North Korea. I can't find anything wrong with that. Going to have a one-on-one powwow with the uh, president of North Korea. Getting nose-to-nose with the president of China. And a whole lot of other things. Uh, Bringing us this whole thing, this story I talked about uh, as well, just in the last hour to you. Jobs to workers ratio near one-to-one. The figures meaning that wages are likely to go up. What can you find wrong with most Americans being able to find a job and that uh, wages are going up? I can't find anything uh, inherently wrong with that. I can find a whole lot of right about it. So let me read this to you. It'll take me a few minutes, so we'll have to get a break in as well. The mayor of Livermore, California, explains Trump's popularity and success. This is perhaps the best explanation for Trump's popularity. Marshall Kaminen is a registered Democrat and was elected mayor of Livermore, California. He ran on the Democratic ticket as he knew a Bay Area city would never vote for a Republican. He is as conservative as they come, and he wrote the following. Trump's lack of decorum, dignity, and statesmanship. My leftist friends, as well as many ardent never-Trumpers, constantly ask me if I'm not bothered by Donald Trump's lack of decorum. They ask if I uh, don't think his tweets are beneath the dignity of the office, and here's my answer. We right-thinking people have tried dignity. There could not have been a man of more quiet dignity at the time than George W. Bush as he suffered the outrageous lies and politically motivated hatreds that undermined his presidency. We've tried statesmanship. Could there be another human being on this earth who so desperately prized collegiality as what Senator John McCain did? We tried propriety. And has there been a nicer human being ever than Mitt Romney? And the results were always the same. Now, I'm not saying that you should say that you agreed with all of those guys, and this is me now, uh, political philosophies, but just think about what they typically uh, eschewed and uh, how they were met by uh, the uh, opposing party. The results were always the same. This is because while uh, we were playing by the rules of dignity, collegiality, and propriety, the left has been for the past 60 years engaged in a knife fight where the only rules are those of Saul Alinsky and the Chicago mob. I don't find anything dignified, collegial, or proper 
about Barack Obama's line about what went down on the streets of Ferguson in order to ramp up racial hatreds because racial hatreds served the Democratic Party. I don't see anything dignified in lying about the deaths of four Americans in Benghazi and imprisoning an innocent filmmaker to cover your tracks. And I don't see anything statesmanlike in weaponizing the IRS to be used to destroy your political opponents and any dissent. Yes, President Obama was articulate and polished, but in no way was he in the least bit dignified, collegial, or proper. The left has been engaged in a war against America since the rise of the children of the 60s. To them, it's been an all-out war where nothing is held sacred, nothing is seen as beyond the pale. It's been a war they fought with violence, the threat of violence, demagoguery, and lies from day one. The violent takeover of the universities till today. The problem is that though through these years, the left has been the only side fighting this war. While the left has been taking a knife to anyone who stands in their way, the right has continued to act with dignity, collegiality, and propriety. With Donald Trump, this all has come to an end. Donald Trump is America's first wartime president in the culture war. During wartime, things like dignity and collegiality simply aren't the most essential qualities one looks for in their warriors. Ulysses Grant was a drunk whose behavior in peacetime might well have seen him drummed out of the army for conduct unbecoming. Had Abraham Lincoln applied the peacetime rules of propriety and booted Grant, the Democrats might well still be holding their slaves today. Lincoln rightly recognized that I cannot spare this man because he fights. General George Patton was a vulgar talking in peacetime. This might have been had seen him stripped of rank, but had Franklin Roosevelt applied the normal rules of decorum then, Hitler and the socialists would barely be five decades into their thousand-year Reich. Trump is fighting, and that's what's particularly delicious is that like Patton standing over the field as his tanks obliterated Rommel's, he's shouting, you magnificent bastard, I read your book. That's just the icing on the cake. But... It's wonderful to see that not only is Trump fighting, he's defeating the left using their own tactics. Now, that book, and you've all heard of it many times, is Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, a book so essential to the liberals' war against America that it is and was the playbook for the entire Obama administration and the subject of Hillary Clinton's senior thesis. It's a book of such pure evil that just as the rest of us would dedicate our book to those we most love or those to whom we are most indebted, Alinsky dedicated his book to Lucifer. Trump's tweets may seem rash and unconsidered, but in reality, he's doing exactly what Alinsky suggested his followers do. First, instead of going after the fake media, and they are so fake that they have literally gotten every single significant story of the past 60 years, not just wrong, but diametrically opposed to the truth from the Tet Offensive. And I've talked about that here on this show. We've had several authors about it. We, 
the way the media saw the Tet Offensive in Vietnam had in no reality what really went down on the ground there. To Benghazi, to what really happened on the streets of Ferguson, Missouri, Trump isolated CNN, and he made it personal. Then just as Alinsky suggests, he employs ridicule, which Alinsky described as, quote, the most powerful weapon of all. Most importantly, Trump's tweets have put CNN in the untenable and unwinnable position because they need to respond. And it leaves them with only two choices. They can either go high, as Hillary would disingenuously declare of herself, and the fake news would disingenuously report as the truth, and begin to honestly and accurately report the news, or they can double down on their usual tactics and hope to defeat Trump with twice their usual hysteria and demagoguery. The problem for CNN and the rest is that if they were to start honestly reporting the news, that would be the end of the Democratic Party that they serve. It's nothing but the incessant use of fake news, read that propaganda, that keeps the left alive. All right, finish this for you. When I get back, there's just a little bit left. You'll probably want to hear it, and I'll read it to you here in just a moment. Let me remind you about Safari Pets. 808 West Main and Cabot, their phone number is 628-0067, safari-pet.com, their website. Now we got all that out of the way. Let me tell you why you need to go there. Uh, If you've got pets, Safari Pets is the place to go over in Cabot largest independent pet store here in Arkansas, getting ready to open up a new location in, uh, of course, Conway. So they'll have two locations to serve us. They have a wide selection of the best grain and meat dog food for your dog. They got great frozen treats. They got dog toys, collars, bedding, a lot more than just that. They got grooming they can even help with a dog's bad breath. They can help you with the cats. They got all the food that the cats want. They got collars for them. They got everything you need, leads and, and whatnot. But they don't stop with just your typical pets. They got your exotics as well covered. The birds, the saltwater fish, chinchillas and ferrets and snakes and uh, bearded lizards that they have and geckos that you can buy as well as well as iguanas. You can get yourself an iguana. Or if you want to go to the insect world, they've got insects like scorpions and tarantulas. Whatever your pet, they can help you. They offer everything you need for taking care of your pet or pets. Here's the other thing they have. Final thing I want to tell you is that there are people on the floor, and there's more than just a cashier there, you walk up to one of them and start talking to them and about what you want and, you know, what kind of uh, products you need to take home with you so that the pet can be taken care of. If that person doesn't know the answer, they will make sure they'll get somebody to you while you're there and give you all that pertinent information. That's what makes Safari Pets so special. That's what's made them the largest independent pet store in Arkansas and you should go visit them, Safari Pets. All right, let me finish this up about why Trump is so popular. It just says, uh, imagine, for example, if CNN had honestly and accurately reported then-candidate Barack Obama's 
close ties to foreign terrorists like Rashid Galadi. Domestic terrorists William Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, the mafia Tony Rizko, or the true spirit evils of his spiritual mentor Jeremiah Wright. Imagine if they had honestly and accurately conveyed the evils of the Obama administration's weaponizing of the IRS to be used against their political opponents or the running of guns to the Mexican cartels or the truth about the murder of Ambassador Christopher Stevens in the Obama administration's cover-up. So to my friends on the left and the never-Trumpers as well, do I wish we lived in a time when our president could be collegial and dignified and proper? Of course I do. These aren't those times. This is war. And it's a war that the left has been fighting without opposition for the past 50 years. So say anything you want about this president. I get it. He can be vulgar. He can be crude. He can be undignified at times. I don't care. I can't spare this man. He fights for America. So I thought that was uh, well worth to spend some time reading to you here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick show. All right, we did get the early numbers in up to right now. So, um, okay, yes. Okay, so... Anyway. Sorry, I don't have a drum right. roll, but I'll see what yeah. I can do for You're, you. <laughs> yeah, here's... We got these... came from a friend of mine over at Secretary of State's office, Jason Klein. Jason, thank you very much. Uh, these are all the numbers between Monday and Tuesday. Absentee votes, Democrats, 1,063. Absentee votes, Republicans, 751. Early voting, Democrats, 5426. Republicans, 7873. So just about the same. Now, here is the key about this. Remember, when they looked at the uh, the breakdown of the state, more people considered themselves Democrats than, quote, Republicans by, by a few thousands. Uh, then you had a lot of people that can uh, consider themselves independent. Don't have that specific number in front of me. I guess you're the Democrats and the Republicans. If this big, big tsunami blue wave is going to happen, it better start. Just, I'm just telling you that it better, they better do better than this. If you're, if you're not sending more people to the polls than the Republicans, there ain't no tsunami coming. There's not even a ripple. That's what I'm telling you. So I, I didn't seem to be anything of a ripple last night. Did there? No, the ripple was, that the people that the GOP and the Republican folks that voted in the Republican primaries were excited about what's going down. All right. They're excited about it. Joe Manchin about now should be, you know, uh, through his second box of uh, wipes to clean himself up after he saw that Blankenship didn't win. I mean, if Blankenship had, had won, Manchin may have had a chance in West Virginia 
Right now, he doesn't. He's down 14 points. This is a guy that is considered the big uh, supporter from the Democrat side and Donald Trump, and he's voted with the president 8% of the time. And in West Virginia, Trump won by over 40 points. So if you've been standing against the president, I can tell you right now, your chances of getting reelected, slim. Slim. They were really slim. Same in North Dakota, same as Missouri, same as Don Lee in Indiana. Uh, they're just ready to, to hammer in the nails on his coffin. All right. We'll have to wait until November, the dance on his coffin. But the bottom line is they're ready to nail it down. That guy should have never won uh, when he did uh, six years ago. Should never have won and did because uh, the guy who ran against him made that stupid rape remark back in the day. Not to say that somebody else might not say something stupid, but Donnelly now has a voting record that he's got to run on, and everything that he's done is in opposition to Trump, and Trump won big in Indiana. Remember, it was Indiana that put him over the top in the primary and sent him as the nominee for the Republican Party to run for president. And then they voted for him for president over uh, Hillary. You know, and uh, the the Democrats up in the north, uh, the northwest uh, corner of the state couldn't stop it. That's where, just so you know, that's where the steel mills and all are at, and people unionized, and even the unionized people up there now are seeing the light. Although Vislovsky, as far as I heard, was still in in Washington, but he's been in office for so long now, people just flip the lever because they, you know, they vote for him because he's been there forever. All right, when we come back, I got Joe and Duck coming in to answer your car questions. Uh, 823-0965, the number to call, 823-0965. They'll have something to give away as well, so be listening to call in to win. And uh, we'll catch you up now on the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and we'll return after it. So SRN is next, and then I'll be back with Joe and Doc. Hey, Russ, who do we need to call about this thermometer here on the dashboard? This one, do you know who we call about that? Yeah, I think i got to get a hold of Mr. Lee. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It says it's 53 outside. And it uh, said it's 53 since December. Yeah, it's it's like close to 90 degrees I'm, outside. I've been right trying now. to get that fixed, Dave, to be <laughs> honest with you. I'm having a hard time trying to figure it out again, but I'll we'll get it there. Yeah, I've let let them know all the things I'm working on. Not getting all we're not getting all the stuff from the you know, the the markets either anymore. That's all gone on the uh, I'll I'll tell you what. I'll call Phil. Hey, Phil, you know. <laughs> Why don't you just text him you yeah. can talk to him on that thing yeah i'll text him in all caps how's that <laughs> there you go he'll he'll write something back on that he should be able to write on that thing because he's got his own little message board on i know he you. does yeah i know he's got it's kind of like a a dry erase board so i guess and because when i see anything i erase it <laughs> that's the way i do anyway no, you don't. not from him all right here, here we go in, in the studio <laughs> joe and ducker here they brought him a guest his name is Paul Henry. Yeah. He's, did you bring uh, your sledgehammer? I did. 
All right, I'm liking that. <laughs> and unless you're old as dirt like I am, you don't even know what I'm I, talking about. Mm-mm. You remember that Jimmy Dean song? Yep. All yeah. right. Absolutely. That was an old one there. Yeah. Do we have that, Russ, by any chance? <laughs> oh, I'd like to hear it. Is like a, I mean, you you could go on <laughs> on the Internet and probably find Jimmy Dean talking about more than sausage. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, whatever. And he did. What was the other? What was the other big song that he had that went close? He to had a couple three though. Yeah, I'm, I can't remember the first one, but John Henry was my favorite one that he did. Mm-hmm. John, and they had the women in the background. You know that they they didn't do anything except, except sing John Henry. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta love that stuff back there. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get the song. He's looking at it. Okay. He's gonna he's gonna <laughs> wait. See if he can Big find that John. The Cajun Queen, mm-hmm. I owe you. Okay, John Henry, and what else did it have? These are these Jimmy Dean songs you're telling me about. Mm-hmm. All right, there's nothing with sausage in it, right? <laughs> I don't want to hear about Jimmy Dean sausage. <laughs> All right, rubber ducky. Yeah, yeah. Let's catch. Uh, let's see if we we can hear something about John Henry here. If he's got it here. Some of these songs have like disappeared. Big John. There you go. Here we go. Big John. Every morning at the mine, you could see him arrive. He stood six foot six and weighed 245, kind of broad at the shoulder and narrow at the hip. And everybody knew you didn't give no lip to Big John. That's right. He's a big old boy. <laughs> That's right. That's cool. Big Bad John. I think I'll change my name. <laughs> Nobody seemed to know where John called home. He just drifted into town and stayed you all You ever home. heard this, Russ? He didn't yeah, seem okay. like kind of quiet and shy. And if you spoke at all, you just said hi to Big John. Somebody said he came from New Orleans where he got in a fight over a Cajun queen and a crashing blow from a huge right hand sent a Louisiana fella to the promised land, Big John. All right, that's it. <laughs> I can only play so much, or I got to pay to play it. Yeah. So I will get out of it now. So the bottom line is, you know, there was a big John before there was. You don't mess around with Jim. All right. You, <laughs> you don't do that. All right. So anyway, how you doing today? I'm doing fine, Dave. How are you? I'm a happy camper today. It, it looks like it. I'm you're, having you're a good kind of jump. Good show today. Here, well, yeah. I am so proud of our president. Yeah. Got us out of the Iranian deal. Gotta love that. Mm-hmm. Bringing three prisoners back from North Korea. They'll be back on American soil about 2 o'clock yep. in the morning. About 2 a.m. They said he's going to lead them there. At Anderson Air Force, or uh, not Anderson. Andrew. Andrew's Air Force Base. Anderson is on Guam. That's where I was stationed at during the time I was in the military. But, uh, yeah, they're coming in. Uh, he's going to have this. Uh, Pompeo's met with, uh, you know, Rocket Man uh, <coughs> over there in, in North Korea. And they're going to get together and talk. I'm going to tell you, if something comes out of that, he's going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Trump will win the Nobel Peace Prize. Or to win it anyway. Well, I, I'm not going to say he shouldn't. Did you see this article? I think this is the best article I've seen in a long time on a newspaper. It's right on the fold. Mm-hmm. Jobs to workers ratio near one to one. That's good. You know? It talked about how we've we had a two and a half percent raise in in wages in April, mm-hmm. and look out—they're going to take off now because people are going to be fighting over the people they need to fill these jobs. 
Sure. So uh, I'm a happy Trumper. That's what well, I'm telling you, all right? That's just all I'm saying. All right. So we've got Paul Henry here. You all know on June 2nd out at the uh, Conway Expo, Expo we're yep. going to do the car show. <clears throat> the reason we're doing the car show is because we want to help the organization that John is here to talk about today, which mm-hmm. is the Ronald McDonald House. We want to, or Paul, I said John. Yeah, but I'll go by either now. That's all good. Right. <laughs> or Paul, we want to say thank you. Thanks for what you do. Well, I'm, I'm blessed to do it. I appreciate you guys allowing us to, to be mm-hmm. here to talk about it, and certainly bumper to bumper for the continued support you guys have given us over the years, and uh, we're we're very grateful. The, those that come out and support the car show, we're, we're appreciative of you guys too. So you were uh, on a few years ago, weren't you? Last when, year. I think it was last year, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it's that last when, year when, when that construction yeah. was just coming to completion? Yep. For what you guys were doing for yeah, Ronald that's right. House? That's right. All right. And do us a favor. Take us back in the Wayback Machine. You know, Mr. Peabody is here. Take us back and tell us what the difference is for Ronald McDonald House from then to now. Oh, there's no there's no comparison. Um, I don't know if, if, if anybody out there has went to the old house. Um it started in 1980, but the that original house is a 100-year-old house in downtown uh, near Children's Hospital. And it was basically just used, um, you know, once it started to use to, to help people stay close to their kids in the hospital, there got to be a greater need, so they added on. Uh, but it was kind of piecemeal together, and it was, it was not really ever designed for families to do that. It was very functional. It gave them a place to, to sleep that was close to close to their children um but really you know it was old they had communal restrooms because the you know the, the room wasn't that big the building wasn't that big um kitchen was small um everyone was still amazingly appreciative of it because they were you know not having to stay on a hotel or in a hotel or on a park bench or um hospital bench so um but you know it was five years in the making um Lots of planning went into the new house. It was designed with the families in mind to make sure that they had all that they need and more to feel like they're at home. It's literally a home away from home for these families that, that come in from from out of the area. To, okay, so how many families for the old house? There were Well, there are 28 rooms in the old house uh, with, with the two twin beds in each room. So there's, I mean, they were tiny rooms, um, smaller than this area here. Yeah. Um, and that... Uh, you know, when you have a a new mom that's that's uh, has a premium in the hospital, and she may still be in the hospital, and you end up with dad and a mother in law, yeah, coming to support her, and they both stay in the same room, uh, it can be a little awkward. So um, it, there was twenty eight rooms in that. But there's there's thirty two in the new one, but they're much larger. Bigger. They each have uh, two two areas. They have a, a bed, uh, a full size or queen size bed um and a restroom in them and uh a sitting area with a pull-out couch so um you can have four people in there that can spread out um they don't have to go down the hall to uh to take a shower um so it's, it's really like a hotel environment but with the home aspect to it um, we provide meals every night uh, we have separate clubs that that will come in and uh 
and make a, a hot meal for the families so they get that every single night and we're always looking for for supper club groups that want to come in and do that I, what um, what got me uh, uh john was when they took us to the old building and she said this used to be our phone it had a pay phone in a little closet she said this is now our computer room and that it was, was the only thing they had for yeah. a computer and it was it was about half size this desk and it was a <laughs> yeah it was a closet at best um we had a tiny little what we called the library but it was also our meeting room and it was also where moms had to go if they were new moms to go pump um so it was just it was not really so it was for tough for meetings wasn't it oh we couldn't i mean it was just you know having a, a meeting, small meeting you had some but now we've had mom over there pumping her breasts and yeah it's not good so we went from eleven thousand square well she was in a closet essentially I'm just yeah. kidding you uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but we went from eleven thousand square feet um of functional space to literally three times the size yeah um with space that's just it's truly amazing we're blessed to have it so we appreciate all the people that have supported us to make this facility possible and it's going great we're uh um, we always have um a full house um but there's almost always a waiting list um we we provide support for the families from children's hospital uh, baptist and uams and um you know there's there's always a need so so the question becomes that when's the next one got to be built that's a good question if you said you got a waiting list and you you need more room (laughs) we have we have looked into this um you know it may come down the road but um we since we just finished this campaign um we want to make sure we can kind of get it under our belt and get cruising on it and make sure our budget was going to be able to be met Um, well they have some room out back too to build don't we do we actually have a, a space in the back where our current parking lot is that we could actually add on there, and then we have a uh, a lot across the street that's ours. I was thinking they had more park. room to build on. Uh, but we 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 actually had some Clinton School students that did an assessment of needs. Um, they met with the hospital administrators. They uh, polled families that are in the same similar situations, trying to kind of get an assessment of what 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 do we need to do next oh well, yeah um, you've got to have some kind so, of direction so we want to make sure we're doing it right and we're you know we're taking our time but we are looking into it so i would think so if you got a waiting list you yeah. got to be looking into it don't you so, it just takes money yeah so they, <laughs> that's it speaking just of money, money the uh, coin boxes at uh mcdonald's yes tell yeah. us tell everybody about that well that's that's really a remarkable thing very and, very few people believe this when i tell them i know and here's i left you this just so you could you could reference it too but okay. I have, from now on i got this information i got have the number i have told people that too that the that, that mcdonald's don't have a key to none of that right and we'll be, a lot of people i mean we obviously have a partnership with mcdonald's and always have and um, always will have. but um Really, the support that we get are from the customers of McDonald's. Yes. Um, if you go through the drive-through, uh, you'll notice the the little donation box that might be under the window. Um, or if you go in, there's those little boxes by the cash registers, so people can put change in them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and just from our area, um, our Kansans are super generous. It's really amazing. We get um, over one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year just on change in those boxes. That's good um so it makes a big difference i mean you might not think so when you're driving through um you know a lot of people are using credit card nowadays so it's they may not have something that they're giving extra but just clean out your your console you got everybody's got change now everybody's got change in there i I always had a bad you know a bad thought about it you know the mcdonald's the the restaurant had the key to it 
right you know how much much money actually went to ronald mcdonald house and then uh, it was a couple years ago that i asked the girl and she said oh no 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 they have no key to it correct we send people around and we clean it ourselves i appreciate you bringing that up since that day when i go to mcdonald's all my change goes into the thing i goes mean into the hopper yeah. and, I, and i tell you know you know anybody because i had some people question me about that are you sure i said yes i said i talked to the lady and this is what she told me that that they have no key to it that they send people around because she was telling me about a guy that dropped his credit card down in it they Uh-oh. couldn't get his his debit card and, and it get was it out. the next day before they could get somebody down to that mcdonald's and open it up and get the guy's yeah. credit card out. right that happens more you it's what think, she says. She said it happens regular thing, but um, but yeah, there's no. I mean, it's it's wholly oper- owned and operated by by us. So and, and she was telling me about it's, it's something like I don't can't. I want to say it's something like fifty or sixty percent of their budget goes through the nickels and the dimes and the pennies and the quarters, you know, and the dollars and the five dollars that come in in those donation mm-hmm. boxes. She said that's a big part of their budget every year. I'm glad I'm not the guy who got count all that. Take it to the machine, let the machine count. Well, I'm figuring that's probably the way <laughs> well, they do it. You know, but but that gives you a little peace of mind that if you're there and you feel like con, you know contributing to the Ronald McDonald House, you don't have to drive over any place. You can take a ten dollar bill and slip it in that slot, and you know the ten dollars of it gonna is stay going there. to the house. It's going to stay here, absolutely. I mean, it's it's our personnel that go around and and unlock it. And like you said, you know, if there's something that gets in there like a credit card. Somebody gets in the car and takes off to to wherever it may be to make sure we get it out. So it is it is very secure. Um, we are we are the ones that get to control it and get the money for it. So that, that was always my concern. Does Ronald McDonald House get every dime that goes in that machine? And that's why I asked the lady. I said, you know, and I I'm point blank a lot of times. I ask questions that sometimes I shouldn't, but I just asked her. You know, do y'all go get the money or McDonald's? You know, get the money for you. And she said, "No, they cannot touch the money." And and that's one reason I started putting my change in it after that. Right. Yeah. You know, and because I know Ronald McDonald's house is going to get every penny of it. Right. right. And we're we're thankful for McDonald's for allowing this to happen. I mean, it's you know, it's something that's that's uh, you know, hopefully they don't have to worry about too much, but it kind of gives us an opportunity to to be able to touch people from all over the state to go out um, and see and, the different people and we do have we have day of change a couple of times a year where we actually get volunteers to stand out in the in the drive throughs at mcdonald's and um collect change from people that are coming through and you're it's just amazing how generous people you know what are. you need to do you get you need to get big ronald mcdonald shoes to put the change <laughs> into i would i'm just I'll, saying I'll that'd, be, for some of that'd be kind of cool to do that <laughs> all right we're gonna take a break we'll come back and and talk uh, more with paul uh, Henry here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and Joe and Duck are here. They're still here. They'll take your car questions, 823-0965, 823-0965. What do we got to give away today, guys? Vacuum cleaner. You got five, uh, five-gallon bucket uh, I think wet I got and dry? Three left. I think somebody's left. All right. So be the third caller during the break, 823-0965. Third caller, you pick up a wet-dry vac from the good folks at Bumper to Bumper. We'll tell you who the uh, store is when we get back. Call now when the uh, the vacuum. For one minute, back with you. Who we got? We got James Daniel. He's the winner of the wet-dry vac. Hey, James, how are you? Hey, James. I'm doing pretty good. Why? What have you heard? <laughs> Where have you been? Where are you been? Where are you driving at right now? I understand you're from BB. Yeah, I'm in North Little Rock right now. 
All right, and checking things out. You can use a wet and dry vac. Is that what you were telling uh, Russ a moment ago? Oh, yeah, yeah. can always use one. Okay, well, let me turn you over to uh, uh, our man over here, Duck, and he'll tell you where to go to get it, okay? All right, thanks a lot. So, James, you know anything about Benton? Uh, very little. You know where Military Road is in Benton? I do. It's go down Military Road, and you'll see... Uh, um, uh, it's a new Baptist Medical Clinic. Turn, okay. turn right in front of it to the left, and it's 408 Watson Lane, Benton 72015. And go in and tell Dickie that I told you to come by. Bumper to bumper store. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a bumper to bumper store, but it's kind of back off, you know, off the main drag. Okay, what was that address one more time? 408. 408 Watson W A T S O N Lane. Okay. All righty. And it's take you got to take your driver license in there with you. All right, thank what, you. What, per, kind, what kind of car are you driving? Uh, well, I got a 95, uh, excuse me, an 05 on board. Okay. All right, we thank you for playing. Enjoy the rest of the show. Take your car questions, 823-0965, when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But let's catch up on the news with SRN. And we're back. And if you have a car question, 823-0965, Eight two three zero nine six five. By the way, tell your friends and neighbors, especially if you live north of Little Rock, up in the Conway, up there in Morrillton, Greenbrier, all those areas, uh, that our signal didn't reach to them uh, as well as we would have liked. Now that we've gone over to one zero one one FM, you can hear us clear as a bell Good. if you're in Conway. So we just had a call today saying, thanks for upping the power. Well, we didn't up the power. We just bought another station so we can make sure we get to you. New tower. We, we wanted you to, to hear us. We're up on uh, Chennault Hill now, yeah. way up there in the air. That gets you over top of all those buildings and hills that were uh, obstructing our signal before. So uh, enjoy the show. A two three zero nine six five though, right now, uh, if you want to call and talk to us about a car problem. Uh, we have uh, Paul Henry here from Ronald McDonald House. Of course, the reason he's here is that the car and truck show is coming up on June the 2nd. With that, Joe and Duck, I'm going to turn it over to you. You guys can tell everybody about them. They should be registering now. To That way, you don't have to worry about doing it the day of the show. If you pre-register, you're guaranteed to get inside the building. It's air-conditioned, so you're going to like that. Uh, if it's raining, it'll be dry. And uh, we're going to – all of the car and truck doctors, guys, there, everybody that does the car and truck doctor show, there's nine shops. We'll all have a booth set up. We're all giving away something. So there's probably another 900 to $1,000 worth of giveaways in that group in there, Doug. Oh, every bit of that. I mean, you know, because – and then everybody have trinkets, you know, like keychains or – Swag. Like, yeah, do drop. He out did us mm-hmm. all last year. He gave away t shirts. Yeah. I, I, hey, I know, he, he I know Angel's going to be there. Yep. She's yeah, going to have stuff. Will be there and, yeah, uh, I'll have stuff. Joe will have stuff. Yeah. Everybody else will have stuff. Uh, you know, um, but, but Dave, I need to get a, I need to give a prop to custom advertisement down in Benton. Uh, Cody and all of them guys, they're, they're putting it on the billboard for us free of charge. Don't cost us nothing. They're going to love put, that. They're going to put it on a bunch of billboards. Uh, to you know to advertising and stuff for us um them guys they loan us their truck with a point and arrow on it and and they will put the car show and you know on it so we can carry it up there and you know everybody can see it coming down the road 
uh, I just want to give thanks to them, you know, because they have done a lot for us over the years. Even when we first started this, they, you know, they did a little bit of it for us, and now uh, Cody and all of them has got on board, and and they they spend a lot, you know, a lot of time. I, I you know, I don't know what it cost them to do it. I have no idea. I've never asked. They just, I asked Bill about doing it. Oh yeah, no problem. Bring me the thumb drive, and I'll take care of it. I gave them the thumb drive yesterday from the other night meeting. You know, we had Joe and and. Yeah. Uh, and he'll start running it probably the first of next week, and he'll run it all the way up through the car show. Well, it's they great don't, stuff. They don't mind helping us help the Ronald McDonald House. So, exactly. so that's really important. And they're they're in for the that's awesome. To, to, to promote the, this, and, the guy and help who's us. coming, the food truck that's coming, <laughs> he's giving ten. He's giving ten percent of all the money's wow. put, you know that paid in for food. They're they're going to Ronald McDonald. That's house. great. And 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 every dollar that they spend on their registration. Every dollar that you give goes to Ronald McDonald House. We don't, you know, there's no money that comes out of the registration. There's no money that, that the food guy gives, is it, Joe? Everything goes straight to uh, Ronald McDonald. Uh, Mr. Cook's his name on the food vendor, and he's a great guy, and he's donating 10% of his proceeds, and I think that's great. That is. Uh, you've got uh, the judging will be done by the Rock City Cruisers. They work very hard at this, don't they, guys? Yes, they, they do. do. You know, and 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 we we give them a, a a little bit of money to do it but they turn around and they give that to a charity too yes and and, and it varies sometimes they'll give it to ronald mcdonald mm-hmm. house sometimes they give it to children's hospital mm-hmm. but so it's all a charitable effort whatever's going on there everybody's in it together awesome. to help you know so but anyway it's gonna be saturday june 2nd 2018 it's at uh, conway expo center and uh if you don't have a car, show up because you could possibly win a, a Mount Magazine trip. trip. It's about a thousand dollar value between the hotel room, two nights stay, and then a two hundred fifty dollar gift card. So just make it, sure you got cool. food to eat and gas, gas exactly. get up there with and everything. And it, it's you know, but, and, uh, and uh, they'll 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 be uh, normal class awards as well as best to show, best truck, best muscle car, original rat rod, and the best Corvette. So we got a little bit of something for everybody you know so and uh we hope everybody turns out and you know if you're there and you want to register uh you can pay your registration fee it's a 20 dollar donation 100 percent goes to the ronald mcdonald house but if you want to donate more we'll take it and we'll give it to them yeah awesome well i I can't thank you guys enough for doing that so well it it really makes a difference we we literally have to fight for every penny we get and all you know as much of that goes to the families Mm -hmm. as, as we can give them so um you know to to support what they need so, so know, this this makes a big difference so yeah. so john it's say uh someone wants to come to ronald mcdonald house and go through it you know say hey i, I got someone that you know that might want to you know kind of donate and help out you know right. to, does ronald mcdonald house do they take people like it absolutely we would love to to show anybody around that wants to come by um we love showing off our space but um you know if you guys just want more info about it um we can go to <clears throat> rmhcarkansas.org is our website mm-hmm. um if you want to follow us on social media it's it's at rmhc arkansas we try to keep it consistent yeah um but you can find out more more there but but absolutely um we're always looking for volunteers to to uh to do various things such as separate club um or uh you know even working around the house yeah because um, it's literally like a a house um it's just a times, big house times 32 rooms yeah. like you have 32 families living yeah. in one house so all the supplies you might think would 
you might need in your house, like laundry detergent and you got to need whatever it else. Thirty-two um, times. If, if you think about it, <laughs> yeah, take what you need, multiply it by thirty-two, and that's what we need too. So, um, you know, we're, we would love to 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 share it with you, um, and you know, would obviously love to. And they got a state-of-the-art kitchen over there, Dave. Yes, they do. I mean, it, nice. it is a nice kitchen they got over there. We'd love to have y'all come cook. Uh, well, here's the key, all right? <laughs> $83 cost to Ronald McDonald House per family per night. They asked for $10 uh, a donation from the families, but most can't do that. So just put that together, you know, with how many people it is times $83. Yep. Yeah. And it, Every it, night, yep. 365 nights a year. Right. And if you've ever had anybody in Children's Hospital and you needed a place to stay, say you're from North Arkansas or South Arkansas or West Arkansas or East Arkansas, they will take you in, Dave. I know because I've had a niece and her husband over there for the last four years. Off and on, they, they've got a girl that's that's real bad shape, and uh, they about she'll go home, stay for a couple of months, then she's back over there for a couple of months, and they take and that's how this kind of all got started didn't it joe uh yes uh it's how we kind of all got started on ronald mcdonald house and and that's why we pushed it so hard i have you know and and they've all helped and you know they've all fell in with me and and you know we don't even contact anybody else now we go straight to ronald mcdonald house. Uh, we, we certainly appreciate it and uh yeah we were talking in the break about some other programs y'all have like the pull tab things yeah explain to listeners yeah. about that well, that's something we've done for a long time. Um, or actually, the pop tabs, uh, beer tabs, whatever you want to, whatever you're drinking, any, any um, kind of tab, any kind of tab. Um, we actually collect those um, throughout the year. Um, so you, you would be amazed at how fast they add up in a household or in your office or whatever. But um, we do encourage people to to pull those off, um, stick them in a cup or stick them in in a bag, and just just hang on to them, and then bring them to us when you get a chance. We actually have uh, a pop tab pandemonium every year we just had it recently where we get school groups to kind of do some have a little competition with them um they came in to the zoo we partnered with the zoo and they came in and and uh and brought um, i can't remember the weight but when i did the when i did the math on it per pound we actually had over seven million pop tabs wow and that's wow. just that's from these kids that that from around you know how much did that weigh I, I can't. I have to look at the. I can't remember what the poundage was, but. Um, but can you imagine seven million that's a lot. cans that's been popped open? Um, we had a. We had somebody today just bring by three huge tubs of of tabs. Um, so I mean, you know, if you collect, if you have a business, collect them. Um, do it at your house. It's really a great way for kids. Kids love doing it. So what? What do the schools win, or do they win anything? That the one that does the most. We'll give them. I mean, we'll we'll give them some trophies, um, bragging rights. And that's, um, that's that's better than anything else. Yeah, yeah. but they we we try to let them know what kind of impact they're having um, by doing it. Um, you know, the to- it takes a lot um, of pop tabs, uh, but we get about ten thousand dollars a year just off recycling wow. pop tabs. So I mean, that's pop tabs. that's a lot of pop tabs. Mm-hmm. And it just it just goes to show somebody comes up with an idea, every and, every, helps. and a lot of people think ten grand. That's pretty good that's, if you ask yeah. me. Well. Think about that. How many? How many kids? I mean, how many parents can stay there for ten grand? Interesting. Eighty-three. Absolutely. Take eighty-three. I know. So quite a bit. Right yeah, there. About yeah. 12, it's about twelve thousand nights. That kid, you know, that's pretty good. Can stay man. there. It all adds up. So I mean, yeah. every, literally, we're looking for for every penny. Um, 
because we're we are a standalone nonprofit as most are around but um you know we're not uh, and the women over at dave they're just super nice when i called i was trying i couldn't remember janelle's name i called jerry rocher and i said jerry do you remember her name and he said no he said what do you think it is i kept thinking donna for some reason i had donna there is a donna yeah and i found out there is a donna too and and (laughs) i found out that we had talked to both of them her and janelle Uh both and finally janelle called me yesterday or day before i remember which day and she said yes paul will be just welcome to come over well i enjoy i enjoy coming over here but the staff is really i mean it's it's some of the best the best group people i've ever worked with um just sincerely want to be there doing it because they love it um and uh it's nice nice to be around you don't you don't mind going out and talking about where you work when you got a story like ronald mcdonald house i'm just saying i mean you got nothing but a positive story then they got got the doghouse when you walk in the front door mac the dog gonna come back and finish here in a moment but first of all the reason that the car show is going to happen and the money that will be raised there ends up at Ronald McDonald's house is because of bumper to bumper. That's it. They put up the money to yes, make sir. this happen. They fund it, and we work it, and their employees work it, and it's it's a group effort. But bumper to bumper, you know, those guys, uh, they they do a lot of things. This is they 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 do other things with other events. They've had another car show this year, but this is their big one, and and we hope to make it a big success. But you know. We're all certified service centers. The reason we're certified service centers is because of bumper to bumper. And their parts that they provide us with and the service they provide us with, which is everything to us because the quicker we get the parts, the quicker we can get a car fixed, and the quality of the parts we get, they're high-quality parts, Dave. So they do all of that, plus they give back to the community. Exactly. That's the kind of business you want in your community. I'm just yeah. saying. That's the kind and, of business and, you want. And, you know, it would be anywhere from bosses to to the owners been out there a few times helping us i mean you know they all pitch in and help don't they joe yep every one of them that's a good group of guys and i'm proud to be partnered with them all right gotta get a break in we come back we're going to tell you about b&m oil and then we're going to finish up talking a little bit more about ronald mcdonald's house or take your questions if you've got a car question you've run into some problems or whatever with your car eight two three oh nine Six five. I want to let you guys know that the reason I got quiet there is that Russ held up the hand of power. <laughs> Time to go, son. Huh? And then he pointed at me. And that's the fickle finger of fate. All right. Yeah. You got to make sure you start when the, the finger comes at you. <laughs> All right. Angel over at B&M is going to be at the uh, car show. And she always has some great swag to give away. And you guys uh, do business with her because she handles all the oil for you all. Chevron Haviland. It's good stuff. We like it. It's got all the blends, the synthetic, full synthetic, conventional, all the weights you'd ever want. The diesel oil, the Dello that Duck uses, 1540. Uh, It's a fantastic product, and and, uh, the quality is bar none, I promise you. That, you know, we were talking during the break about sludge. This has got deposit shield technology in it where it breaks that stuff down and helps if you had an engine that sludged up and you run this oil it helps break it down and clean the engine back up it's pretty good stuff dave well i'd say that's really and, good stuff not and, pretty good stuff and angel does a great job of servicing that stuff i just fix to say and not only is it a good product but we get good service they come seen me this morning i had mine yep too <laughs> Same they come day. by like like almost every week, don't they? Oh, they, they come to me usually every Wednesday. Yep, same here. 
unless I run out and I call up and beg, please, I'm out. <laughs> no. And then they, they'll make special trip too. If you if you're in a bad hurt, they'll bring it to you. I promise you. Yeah. If you need oil, they get it to you. That's right. Everybody needs oil because that's for your customers. You cannot start an automobile without something without in oil in it. Some kind of lubrication somewhere. Well, you might start it. It may not run very long. <laughs> well, if you have a, a couple a, minutes. A, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm if saying. If you have a full electric one, but you still have to understand there are things in that that have to be lubricated too. So yeah, but. Anyway, it, it's part of the life, the world we live in. But but B and M, hey, great product. Chevron, Havilland, we're we're very pleased with it, aren't we, Doug? Yes, very very pleased. I mean, they they it's just a good grade of oil. If you're in Fort Smith, I can't remember what day it is this month, but they're having their Dello truck at their place in Fort Smith, and they're gonna have a luncheon. And uh, you know, I won't be able to go because I'm going out of town. I think it's this Friday. Come think of it, Dave. Okay. I think it's just Friday. They're having a Dell old truck up there and all their old, other oil trucks, and they're going, you know, they'll take you to the truck and show you how it's made and, you know, what all goes in it and everything. Okay, so well, tell me where are you going? I've taken my mother-in-law to our hometown. Mother's Day. For, mother, for Mother's Day, yes. And that's what she wants to go up there, and so I told her I'd take her. I'm really happy that both of you, I mean, we know Joe, too, he, you both still have your moms. No, I don't have my mom. No, this is my mother-in-law. Your mother-in-law, okay. Yeah, my mom and dad's both been dead about seven, eight years now, maybe somewhere along in there. Yeah, my mom died in the mid-90s. I'm just telling you, all of you have moms. Better Cherish your, the time that you got put, with your put mom. Put your arm around her neck and hug and give them a big old That's kiss. That's exactly right. That comes this Sunday. Don't, I'm just saying, don't say, I don't have time. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. Hey, Dave, we're talking about uh, Chevron Haviland? Yes. That company started in 1907. They've been around a while. Yep. And they uh, right now, their base oil contribution to the market is about 30-something percent worldwide. Wow. So if you buy a quart of oil, even if it doesn't have their name on it, 30% chance that they made the base oil. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's an awesome company. You just and have to now they're that. putting all the additives in here in the United States to keep that engine of yours clean, clean, and running right. And if you got that's why they go two hundred thousand miles now. Well, I, I got a Ford truck in the F one fifty, Joe. It's got a five four in it. Come in, got cam phasers bad. Yeah, my guy tore it down, and I know why they're bad because it ain't had oil change. It's sludged up, and you know, and then I try to explain to people, you know, uh, oil can maintenance is is very very important nowadays and this guy running a truck with a hundred thousand miles just because Ow. it ain't had oil change oh yes it, you know it, and you know it and it's going time i get through with it and get it back up and running right it'll be three or four thousand dollars sure i mean you really shouldn't have that many problems with your car engine at a hundred grand a hundred grand no. now no that's that's about one third of his actual life it should it's run amazing. about 300 to 330,000 if you without any trouble i'm trying to figure that out right now i'm i'm working on the the 300,000 part of it yeah sure <laughs> and you know why it's there dave yeah because i bring it to you all the time you take care of it service good you take care of it and put good great oil in it and That's everything it. joe sees it every time i hit 30 percent I'm heading in to get the. I, I just go by what it says on the dash, man. It tells you when to change it. Mm-hmm. And, and I like, I love those old monitor systems. They're great. Yeah, I don't even put a sticker on my personal truck. No, nah. I reset it back to 100 percent every time, and when it gets down to 20 percent, 
going in. I get it. So I tell one of my guys, pull my truck in and service it. All right. To finish up the show today, Paul Henry here from the Ronald McDonald House. Paul, I can guarantee you everybody's going to do everything they can coming June 2nd to make as much money as possible to help the Ronald McDonald House. And by the way, there'll be places for you to donate when you're at the car show. Yes. Please do so. Throw, throw your dollars or five or ten in, and let's get uh, several thousand dollars just out of that to sure. help the Ronald McDonald House. Be great, That'd be awesome. great, great organization. Yeah, we appreciate you guys doing that a lot. So um, I, I appreciate you guys out there that are listening that, that are going to show up and support it. And thanks to Bumper to Bumper for, for always stepping up to help our families. Well, Helping the community. They're into that. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of people who don't do anything for the community. This is a business that yeah, does. You, you got over bumper to bumper. You got Fletcher. You got Crow. You got Jerry. You got Kenneth. You got James. You got you know. You got Chris. a whole list. No, I you said got Chris. Don't, don't put James in there. What yeah. are you doing? But you know they all <laughs> they all bent over backwards to to put this car show on. Yeah, they. You know, and even a lot the, of effort put into yeah, this. Yes, know, there is. When we have the car show meeting, they feed us supper up here. I mean, somebody has to go buy it and get it to us. But they spend a lot of time and a lot of effort, and we do too, to get it put on and make sure it runs okay. All right. Joe and Duck, as usual, it's a Wednesday. They're here. They're done. They're on their way back to their businesses. And Paul Henry, our special guest from the Ronald McDonald House, thanks for coming in today, Thank you guys. For having me. Thank present. you, Dave. Present. Thank you. See you in a moment. Uh, David Sterling is up next. Supreme Court, baby. Come on, David. You know what I really like about my show? I get to sit here every day, Monday through Friday, between 2 o'clock and 6 o'clock, and have some of the best guests that you can have on the air. And David Sterling is here. And David Sterling's one of the good guys. Been around for a while. You know, he does his best. He's an originalist. By that, I mean he believes that the writers of the Constitution believed in what the Constitution said and didn't believe that it just changes on somebody's whim. Like a Supreme Court justice in Washington, D.C. thinks the South African Constitution is better than the American Constitution. They don't believe that she should go about changing it. You figure out who it was. All right. (laughs) Do a little research. So what's going on, David? How's it been? I know that I, I spoke to you just briefly. You're saying that Fatigue is wearing in. <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep this uh, smiley face on and everything, but I, I, it is kind of an exhausting campaign. We, uh, you know, when I ran for attorney general back four years ago, uh, I started in January of 2013 and ran all the way until June of 2014. So 18 months out on the campaign trail, establishing all these relationships and so forth. And uh, when I got into this campaign, it was literally. Uh, at the end of February, so from the end of February till the end of May, just it's a three, sprint, three months. Yeah, it's just an all-out sprint to the end. And uh, they say that uh, um, uh, people. I mean, I've re- I've never run a marathon in my life, but <clears throat> someone was someone uh, was telling me the other day. They said, you know, when you're running a marathon, you get to about mile thirteen or fourteen, you hit what's called the wall. The there. wall. And yep. You just kind of push through the wall. You can kind of get 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 on the other side, and you're just running on adrenaline at some point. They say about mile twenty one, twenty two, your legs turn to jelly, you know, and then you try to finish the race without even feeling your legs or whatever. Well, it's kind of where I'm at right now. My, right. my legs are jelly. I've, I've gotten past the wall and everything, uh, and but it has been an all out sprint this whole time, uh, un, unlike uh, the marathon that I ran before. So. 
but it's it's been it's been exhausting, but it's been good getting out there and seeing everybody again that uh, that I met back four years ago and reestablishing those relationships, getting reacquainted with everybody, and uh, everybody's been very very positive out there. So I've really enjoyed it. All right, so I got to talk to you about these groups. I I, all, I like I laugh when I see it. To be honest, dark money. You know, they make it sound so insidious. It sounds like a, a, a new horror movie coming out to your theater soon. Uh, the dark money they keep talking about are PACs uh, that have money, and uh, they don't have to tell us who gives the money, and but they put their money up for a candidate if they feel so, you know, driven. There's been a couple of them that have done this in the past, in fact, it happened to you back when you were running for attorney general. And I think, in a sense, it kind of hurt you at that time because people misunderstood what was going on. I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, you know, uh, it, it, at the foundation of our country, you know, when you read the Federalist Papers and so forth, I mean, a lot of those Federalist Papers were letters to the editor and so forth that were written anonymously. I mean, people would actually face treason yep. if uh, – if they were not anonymously speaking. And so as the, our founders crafted the Constitution and so forth, they recognized that, you know, when they wrote, you know, the, uh, the First Amendment and the freedom of speech, they, you know, I think what's woven into the First Amendment is the right to, to speak freely but also to speak anonymously, you know. And uh, that our U.S. Supreme Court has recently uh, ruled that outside groups do have a constitutional right to uh, participate in political campaigns. Now, I don't necessarily endorse these th- uh, outside groups getting involved, but you know, I, I can't control what they're doing and so forth. But they do have a constitutional right to speak. And if I were to coordinate with them and say, "Hey, come on in and and do these ads," or or "Hey, stop! This is hurting me," I think that's considered coordination. So all I can do is just. I've been focused on just running my my campaign, just running a positive campaign throughout this last three months and so forth. And if other people want to participate, you know, that's fine. they got a constitutional right to do it. All I'm doing is running my own campaign. And, uh, you know, if they've got a bone to pick with uh, with my opponents, that's between them and uh, my opponents. It's not anything that I'm coordinating or anything Yeah, because like you can't talk to them. I cannot talk to them. And if I were, like I say, if I were to tell them to come on, keep, keep that coming, I think that's coordination. I think if I tell them to stop because I think it's hurting me, I think that, that would also be yeah. considered coordination. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I think the easiest thing for me to do and, and the correct thing for me to do is just to keep my mouth shut and just kind of keep staying on my message and just trying to talk about the things that I'm wanting to talk about on this campaign, which is, uh, you know, being a constitutionalist, you know, being an originalist. Uh, being a textualist and understanding the separation of powers, understanding the concept of judicial restraint, and offering that kind of judicial philosophy to the people of Arkansas. All right. So you just used a whole lot of big terms for everybody. Why don't you walk through those so they can get a real good feel about, you know, what's going on between those two ears of yours? Sure. Well, you know, what I'm trying to do here is offer the people of Arkansas a judicial philosophy very similar to uh, say uh, Antonin Scalia and um, uh, his successor Gorsuch, uh, Neil maybe? Gorsuch. Yeah. yeah, big fan of that. Uh, big feel, big fan of Neil Gorsuch. Uh, uh, so far, uh, hopefully he'll work out uh, like I'm hoping that he does, and so forth. Right. Hope I'm not regretting this someday, saying I'm a big fan of his. But so far, I, I like what I see. 
uh, particularly uh, the things that he's saying as far as uh, during his confirmation hearings and uh, his judicial philosophy, I really do adhere to that. And uh, as far as a constitutionalist, you know, I just want to keep my uh, eyes on the Constitution itself as far as uh, when I'm, when it comes to constitutional interpretation or statutory interpretation, whether or not something is uh, comes up for uh, consideration on the, on the court. Uh, I want to keep my eyes focused on that. Someone used an analogy the other day that I thought was really, really relevant, uh, which is if you're tilling a garden, and I've tilled gardens a lot in my childhood. My, we, we grew our own vegetables and everything uh, uh, growing up, and my my parents used to punish me by making me till the garden out in the backyard and so forth. But if you're tilling a garden and you're tilling a row and you're just looking at the uh, front of the tiller as you're tilling and you get to the end of the row, you're going to have – if you look back behind you when you get done – you're going to have a pretty crooked row right there. So what you have to do is you have to start at the back of the row and you just focus on one point up, you know, at the end of the at the end of the garden and just stay focused on that point. Don't look at your tiller, just kind of stay focused on that point. When you get to the end of that row, if you look back, you'll see a pretty straight and narrow row. And uh in what I'm trying to do here is as far as a constitutionalist, I want to Everything will be kind of uh, looked through through the prism of the Constitution. I'll keep my eye on the Constitution, and hopefully uh, at the end of my career when I look back uh, at what I've done, I'll see a pretty straight and narrow row where I've followed the Constitution throughout. And that's really uh, what I'm trying to offer the people of Arkansas. I mean, I, I think it's pretty easy for people. You ran for AG four years ago, and anybody who followed that race knows where you stand you know, uh, on the important issues and things of that nature. It's hard when we bring in people who are running for a judicial uh, position because you guys can't tip your hat or tip your hand all that much because you don't want to have to recuse yourself later from some important case. That's right. <clears throat> so, you know, listen to what he's saying about how he looks at other people and things of that nature and then you can infer what he's trying to tell you without really telling you. <laughs> well, the main thing is you want to know that uh, someone's going to be impartial. You know, when they're uh, considering your case, you want to make sure that they're going to uh, apply the law to the facts and circumstances of each case in a fair and impartial manner. And uh, I vow to all, all Arkansans that that's what I'm going to do. You know, we've got a really, really good uh, federal judge here in the uh, – uh, Eastern District of Arkansas by the name of Leon Holmes. And, uh, you know, he was a uh, uh, he was a big advocate for a lot of um, right-wing causes before he got on the bench. And uh, uh, when he – but he's all, always been one of the most upstanding judges uh, that I've ever met or I've ever even heard described. And when – uh, he was nominated for the uh, federal bench by George W. Bush. Our two senators at the time uh, were Blanche Lincoln and uh, Mark Pryor. Both of them uh, highly recommended him. His his nomination to the to the district court level was actually uh, filibustered by uh, I think it was a Patrick Leahy and Chuck Schumer at the time. It was the first time that they had ever filibustered a district court judge. Now usually they save that for the D.C. Court of Appeals, right, the Supreme right. Court, and everything, but they really, you know, dug their heels in, and and it it, it took like I, I think it was like eighteen months before they finally got him out of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee and got him confirmed. But I will tell you that uh, without exception, I mean, uh, Democrats, Republicans, 
independents, whoever, they recognize him for being a you know one of the most fair and honest judges on the federal bench. He's just been incredible. Well, and, fair as in he's going to go by the Constitution. Period. Absolutely. absolutely. He's just he's just fair. He applies the law to the facts and circumstances of each case. Whenever I get him uh, uh, randomly assigned to one of my cases. I just tell my clients, uh, historically over my legal career, you got one of the most fair and honest judges you'll ever see. And there are some other good, I, I, there's other good judges too. Don't get me wrong. He's not the only one, but I, I really would like to serve in that same kind of capacity, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, whether you're independent or whatever, I vow to the people of Arkansas that if elected, I'm going to, to represent all Arkansans and, and just, you know, apply the law to the facts and circumstances of each case and just be, uh, you know, just basically faithful to the law. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk further with David Sterling. He's looking for your vote for the Supreme Court of Arkansas. If you have a question, 823-0965, 823-0965. I've got kind of a wide open question when we come back, but I think it's a question that all the candidates on the uh, running for the Supreme Court should should have to answer. David is one who's uh, decided to come on the show. Others haven't. So uh, we'll ask him this question when we get back. Uh, let me tell you about Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. Uh, I've made it very clear to you that if you find your yourself one of the Americans, uh, 500 people in America undergoing amputation every day, or perhaps you're, you know, you got a, a child uh, that's one of the thousand babies born with a limb difference. That uh, Horton stands ready to to help you out. All you got to do is call them, have a consultation with them, and they'll do everything they can to help you. Tell you something else that they do. You need to find a uh, you need to find a support group that can help uh, help you out about limb loss. Having other people that have gone through it can help a lot to you. That's why you might want to contact the Amputee Coalition. That's amputeecoalition.org or ABLE, Amputees Beyond Life's Expectations. They're local as well. You can find them on Facebook under ABLE Amputees. And there's another one uh, that folks from Hortons really recommend, less than, T-H-A-N, Less than four, and that's the word for F O U R, spelled out dot O R G. To get the consultation, uh, to talk to them, you found yourself in a position uh, you never thought you'd be in, call 501 663 2908 or stop by and visit them, 5220 West 12th Street here in Little Rock. Just remember, bring your driver's license, your insurance card, and that piece of paper the doctor gives you about treatment that's uh horton's orthotics and prosthetics all right back with david sterling he is a uh, candidate for the supreme court now there's something important that you got to understand about running for the supreme court may 22nd which differentiates the, you know like republicans democrats in the primaries and you figure out who you want to represent your party running for an office in the general election, which is going to be finished up in November. That's not the way this works. On the 22nd, whoever wins, uh, if they win enough of the percentage, they're the winner. 
Yeah, you go ahead and explain it exactly. Well, that's right. Uh, if there were only two people in the race, then uh, – I mean, this is our general election. So if there are only two people in the race, someone would obviously get a majority unless there's a tie, which would be pretty rare. Uh, but uh, there are three people in the race right now. And so if one of us doesn't get 50 percent plus one vote uh, on May 22nd, then there will be a runoff. But unlike some of the other political races where the runoff is three weeks after the general election – this runoff will be six months after the general That's election. That's crazy. I still don't understand that. <laughs> well, when they moved, uh, when Amendment 80 was passed uh, by the General Assembly in 1999, and then it was um, it was put on the ballot for the 2000 election, and the voters of Arkansas uh, adopted Amendment 80, and then it was in, in, I guess, November 2000, and then it was implemented in the next legislative session in early 2001. Uh, they moved uh, that amendment made all the judicial candidates nonpartisan. Before that, they'd always run as Republicans, Democrats, Independents, or whatever. But since 2001, all the judicial races have been nonpartisan. And when they were trying to figure out how they're going to do a runoff uh, in a nonpartisan race and who's going to pay for it and everything, they just decided, you know what? Why don't we do this? Why don't we just make the general election in May and everyone else's primary? And if there's a runoff, and trying to figure out who's going to pay for it three weeks after the election, we'll just have that runoff be the general election. So it makes it kind of difficult. This happened a few times, and um, uh, it makes for a very uh, interesting six-month campaign and everything after the uh, after the general election. But uh, but the the actual runoff will be on election day for everybody else in in, in November. Oh, so it comes in November, is it? November, yeah. Make for a long, hot summer. Oh, sure. no kidding. Because, <laughs> you know... As that's going on, you've got every other big, you know, election going on. I'm not saying the Supreme Court's not big; it is, but you got the governor, you you got all the you know constitutional offices that are going on, uh, House, State Senate. I mean, a lot of stuff for people to be thinking about. Well, one thing that's really important though about this is that this is actually a pretty big race. I mean, I mean, the, uh, the Arkansas Supreme Court. Uh, it's a, it's a big seat, but not only that, but any any judicial race, any uh, prosecutors, they're also uh, uh, nonpartisan as well. So if you skip the primary, which most statistically speaking, most people skip the primary and yeah. figure they'll just vote in the general election, not really participate in the party primaries and everything. But if you decide to do that, then you're probably not going to have any say in your judges and prosecutors and uh, nonpartisan races. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very imperative, imperative to get out to the polls and vote on May 22nd or during the early voting period right now. And it's going on right now, and it ends on May 22nd. So make sure you go to your polling place and pull the lever for your preferred candidate. I try to st- I stay out of elections uh, in primaries, typically. On the Supreme Court, I don't have to do that because we're not looking to see who's going to run for the, the in the general election. So I can say this is the guy I'm going to vote for. It's very easy for me to say that. So uh, I would I highly recommend that you take a look at David's career and you look at what he's done. And I think that he's the man that needs to be on the Supreme Court because you know we got control of the legislature and the and the. And, of course, the executive branches will be nice is to have uh, some conservatives showing control in the judicial branch of the the Supreme Court. Not saying he's going to vote every way that you think he should vote. I'm just saying got a better chance with him than some of the people we've seen sit up there for sure. For 
sure. I said, let me say that again. For sure, I can tell you that. All right, so I'm going to ask you my my question. I was going to ask you okay. when we come back. Okay, but you you think things are been going good then, right? I'm pretty pleased with it. I mean, I've really been working so hard uh, over this. Like I said, it's a three month sprint, and uh, when I got back out on the campaign trail back in uh, February and started just kind of going back to all these different counties all over the state, uh, reintroducing myself to all these uh, committees and reintroducing myself to all these chambers of commerce and uh, business leaders and just regular everyday folks all over the state, you know, reactivated my Facebook page and everything. It, the, the, you know, it's been very welcoming um, by everybody all over the state. I really enjoyed it, and uh, it's, it's exhausting, but at the same time, I'm just energized by it all. All right, we'll come back. We'll continue. We've got a call. I've got questions. We'll get to all of that after the news. All right, so if you just joined us and you're on your way home and uh, you're saying, what else are we talking about today? We've got David Sterling. He is a candidate for Supreme Court uh of arkansas here on my show today uh since it is a it's for the position i can take my position and that is i think you should be voting for uh david sterling so let's take uh, a call that's uh been waiting to talk to him and let him ask his question i got more questions you got a question eight two three oh nine six five dean is in cabot hi dean how are you I'm good, Dave. How are y'all today? I'm good. What's your question? Mr. Sterling, I would, uh, I just need to know your position on abortion, the Second Amendment, and Asa Hutchison. And uh, I know you probably can't give an opinion of Asa, <laughs> but I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. All right. So abortion and uh, the Second Amendment, and then uh, how you feel about the governor? Well, I'll start with the governor. People have asked me all the time, you know, uh, who I'm um, supporting, Asa Hutchison or Jan Morgan. I actually get that quite a bit out on the campaign trail, and I tell people over and over again that I am supporting David Sterling for the Arkansas Supreme Court. There you go. And uh, and I will continue to support uh, David Sterling for the Supreme Court. Um, uh, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, Asa Hutchison is my boss. You know, I, I work for the Department of Human Services as chief counsel there. Uh, it's been a privilege working uh, for him during this uh, last three years and uh, uh, working real hard there trying to take care of the most vulnerable citizens in our state. You know, we take care of uh, children and adults, um, uh, the mentally ill and the disabled, uh, the elderly and the poor, and uh, we touch directly probably uh, one third of our state. You know, we've got we we, we service probably uh, a million people out of a population of three million people, and uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to to have this opportunity to uh, help as many people as what we do there. And, and indirectly, we probably touch the other two thirds of the state. As far as abortion and the Second Amendment, anyone that. All you have to do is do a little bit of research and you kind of know where I'm at on those those things. And I, I don't mean to be uh, dismissive of that and everything, but I cannot talk about those kind of issues in this particular race. The rules of judi- judicial ethics prohibit me from, from taking a position on anything that might come before the court uh, because we don't want people thinking that I've prejudged those things. And uh, and But, you know, I certainly have my leanings on the, those things, but I'm going to look at every case um, – in a fair and impartial way. And uh, I'm sorry I can't answer your question as far as the other two, but just uh, 
there's a, there's this powerful tool called the internet, and you can find out a lot of information about me and my positions on things uh, just doing a little bit of research. Yeah, pretty easy to do. All right, before we go to well, we got another caller. This is Randy from North Little Rock. Hi, Randy. How you doing? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Your question for David Sterling. Hi, Dave. Thanks, uh, uh, David. Uh, you know, I, I heard your name. It, it rang a bell right away. Of, oh my gosh, uh, that's the guy who ran against uh, ran for AGE four years ago. And uh, well, my question is, I know during your campaign uh, there were some pretty nasty things said about your opponent at the time. Maybe they came from the pack, not directly from you, but. I associated them with your name. That was the first thing I thought about. I thought that was that guy that did all the mudslinging. So I just want to ask, what do you think of the AG right now? I mean, what do you think of the job the AG is doing? I think she's done a phenomenal job. I mean, I'm a big supporter of hers. Um, I work with her office almost on a daily basis right now. Uh, A lot of the issues that we talked about in that campaign back in 2014 uh, she took to heart. I mean, she when she took office, I mean, I think she did. I mean, I don't have much criticism for her. I mean, she's really uh, taken on the federal government. She's uh, pushed. You know, that was a theme of my campaign. It was a theme of her campaign at the time was fighting back against an overreaching federal government. And she, I think she's done a great job. She's hired, uh, you know, she went to the legislature and fought for a new position there in, in the AG's office. Our solicitor general, Lee Radofsky, who's done an amazing job. I work with him uh, pretty routinely. Uh, Nick Brawny is his assistant, and they're doing just a phenomenal job there. I mean, and Leslie's just, I mean, I have no criticism of Leslie at all. I mean, I think she's been doing a great job. I'm proud of her. And let's go. Something that you had said about mudslinging, understand that those are packs that David had nothing to do with. It was their messages, not his. That is correct, yeah, and, I, I, and yeah. I do I do remember that I that I thought that at the time, but it didn't sound like they came directly from him. So thank you very much for your response, David. And uh, uh, hey, I might just vote for you. <laughs> All right, Randy. <laughs> okay. Thank, okay, bye. Thanks for the call. We appreciate that. Okay, so my question in eight two three zero nine six five, David Sterling's running for the Supreme Court of Arkansas. You want to ask him a question? That's all you got to do. Eight two three zero nine six five. You can talk to him directly. Why the Supreme Court? Well, it's a good question. Uh, it's something that you know I've got a lot of interest in, not necessarily on a personal level, but on a professional level. You know, I started watching uh, this. You know, av- after uh, Justice Goodson emerged from that uh, Chief Justice race uh, two years ago uh, against Dan Kemp, and when she uh, uh, lost that race, I was wondering. That was a pretty brutal race there too. Yes, there was, it was a lot of money spent in that race. I think there was something like three million dollars spent between the two parties in that race, and there was a lot of uh, it, it was not it was not a pleasant campaign to watch and i wasn't i didn't know if she was actually going to run for re-election or not i kind of started watching it uh, about this time last year under the rules of judicial um, uh, elections and everything you cannot actually announce that you're running for judge until a year before the election so the election is may 22nd of 2018 so I was watching on May 23rd of 2017 to see if she was going to announce that she was going to run, which is what traditionally she would have done and anyone else. And I was wondering who was going to run because just as a lawyer, I want to know. Nothing happened. And then uh, the weird thing is in these judicial rules as well is you can't actually raise any money until six months out from the election. So the next deadline that I was watching was uh, November 23rd to see 
So somebody, if, if you're going to run, you need to get in there pretty quickly and start raising the money as quickly as you can. And of course, you can't actually directly solicit the money. You've got to have someone else do it. But, but I was wanting to know who was going to announce so they could actually start raising money, and nothing happened. Even Justice Goodson didn't announce. Then January 1st came around, nothing. And I would started kind of praying about it, wondering, you know, I think, you know, I look back in my life, I believe in some, a concept called spiritual markers where God's actually doing something in your life. And if you look back over your lifetime and you look at all the spiritual markers in your life, when you reach a crossroads uh, as far as a decision, just look back in your life and see where those spiritual markers are and then look forward and see where they're kind of directing you. Yeah. When I look back at the spiritual markers of my life, I was wondering, wow, this Maybe God's kind of pointing me in this direction. You know, he closed that door as far as the AG four years ago, but at the same time, he prepared, he's preparing me for something else, you know. And so I really felt like maybe this is where he's, where he's you know, pushing me to go. And uh-huh. I kept watching and watching and watching, and Justice Goodson never announced that she was going to run. And so in late January, I got a phone call from the AP and from uh, the Democrat Gazette saying that uh, people are saying that she may be running for this position. Um, uh, Justice Goodson earlier today said that she was going to run for this. Uh, are you seriously going to do this? And I know how this works. I've been through this before. I know you can't get that kind of media attention. I knew if I needed to be part of that media cycle. Correct. Because you know, there's going to be an article in the paper tomorrow that she's announcing. So I went ahead and told them, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to run. And um, I quickly gave uh, Justice Goodson a phone call and let her know what, what was going on. I didn't want her to be blindsided by it. I had a very pleasant conversation. I told her it wasn't going to be personal or anything. I'm just running for the position. She said to me, she said, David, it's not my position. It's the people's position. I believe in contested elections. And we had a very cordial conversation. And she was very gracious about it. And I tried to be as gracious as I could about it because it's not personal. It's not about her. And it's not about me. It's about, you know, just presenting uh, Arkansans with a choice. And uh, off we went. So I really feel like God has prepared me for this, uh, looking at the spiritual markers in my life. And uh, and so I'm stepping into this and uh, running as hard as I can, trying to do my part in it. So. All right. Let's talk to Andrew. He's in Little Rock. We'll get this call in before we take our final break. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Uh, doing well. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. A uh, couple of questions, and, uh, both along the same lines. Uh, the judiciary branch has been, especially recently, seems to have uh, been a, uh, uh, used as a political weapon uh, and across the country. That's more of a, a national thing. But what we've seen in Arkansas that I think kind of goes along with it is, uh, you know, the uh, the Medical Marijuana Act was passed. I think it's coming up on like two years now, I believe. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still, I still don't, you know, there still aren't that still hasn't come across. It still hasn't come up, and it feels like it's just being put off and put off and put off uh, for what I can only see is maybe you know political reasons or people you know letting their personal beliefs override what Arkansas voted for. Uh, so I just kind of wanted your opinion on the you know on if you see the the weaponization used you know politicization of the uh, judiciary is is, can, is as a problem, and if that is something that you see happening with what what we what our campaigns voted on for the medical marijuana issue i don't know i mean i don't think that that's what's going on with the arkansas issue it's a complicated uh matter i mean the uh voters of arkansas did vote for that it is uh, legal in arkansas now but you know to set up the rules and to set up the selection process 
it's it's a it takes time to set those things up. They don't just happen overnight, and you can't actually start setting it up until once you know it's in place. Um, well, and, I mean, years is that? I mean, is it, is that? It shouldn't take years to do, should it? I mean, we have other examples of states that have have put it in place. I don't see why it would take literally years. I mean, multiple years to put it to put it in. Well, I will tell you I that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go, you, go ahead. I interrupted. No, it's okay. Um, well, I, I can tell you that people do get frustrated with the judicial process. Uh, but what you've got here is as we go through this initial selection process as far as the dispensaries and the, the growers and all that, mm-hmm. uh, you've got to have some rules in place in order to make those selections. And those rules have just recently been put in place. And now you, you've gone through the procurement process where you're making those selections. And now the people that didn't get selected – they have a right to challenge that, and so they filed lawsuits challenging, you know, because there's going to be a lot of money at stake here, and you know, right. so they're going to, there's going to be some litigation around that, and unfortunately, there's no way to really streamline the litigation. I mean, the lawyers are all gearing up and trying to say, hey, listen, I didn't get, I didn't get selected, and I should have been selected, and they're entitled to under, you know, under our democracy and everything they're they're entitled to due process and to have their day in court and unfortunately uh it it's you know there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into that you have to brief those you have to get a briefing schedule you have, you know you have to get a scheduling order there and, and those briefs are due and they're not all due simultaneously and so forth and then a judge comes mm-hmm. out with a ruling and then someone wants to appeal that and it gets strung out it's not i don't think anything is being intentionally strung out if okay uh, if, it, if it sounds complex that's because it is well, yeah, and I understand that. If your opinion is that it's not being intentionally strung out, that's the thing that worries me on it. Uh, could I could I ask one more question? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. And this is, a, again, going back to the, the state specifically, um, is what is your opinion on the on casinos in Arkansas and specifically in relation to the fact that we have a an operating casino in Arkansas and yet we're not there, you know, we, we it's uh, it's against the law to have have a casino. How does how what is your opinion on that? And how how does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to let you hang up and listen in to his All answer. Right. All right, thank you very much for calling in. Well, it's another one of those issues that may come before the court, so I got to be real careful here and everything. I mean, the main thing that I want you to know is that uh, I will, as a justice, I will always follow the law. If casinos are legal in Arkansas and legal only in certain places, and running a casino in your home is illegal, I mean. As a justice, I'm going to apply the law, um, not the law that I, what I think it should be or anything. I'm just going to apply the law. The way you address these things is through your uh, elected representatives in the legislature. And I think that that's one thing that, that I really want to let people know. that I mean, I do understand uh, the uh, separation of powers, you know, and the fact that the judiciary has a role here. That You know, the legislature passes the laws. The executive branch enforces the laws. And the judicial branch interprets the laws and, and, and applies those laws to the facts and circumstances of each case. And it's not my role to say what I, you know, what I think the law should be. Uh, my, my role is to say this is what the law is. And, uh, and I'm going to try to stay in that lane as best I can throughout my career. Well, that's all we can ask, to be honest. This is what the law says, not this is what I think the law should say. 
I like I like that answer. All right, David Sterling's our guest. If you have a question, you got one more segment. Eight two three zero nine six five. That's the number to reach him here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, final uh, about six minutes here with uh, David Sterling. Got a question? Eight two three zero nine six five. Eight two three zero nine six five. David will answer it the best that he can. So you've been out on the campaign trail now. What February, March, April, going into May, about four months, and uh, you know just uh, you got the the accelerator pushed to the floor getting to all the places you got to be what are some of the questions that the people at these different events have been peppering you with david well you know it's not unlike the calls today from here i mean people really do want to know where you stand on some of the political issues that might come before the court and everything and unfortunately i have to usually defer on that but the one that uh that i can answer that comes up quite a bit is well what what's your judicial philosophy and i tell people that you know uh, I, the, the philosophy, I'm, the judicial, judicial philosophy I'm trying to bring to the court is one of judicial conservatism, which is a little bit different from political conservatism. I mean, uh, it, it's more in line with what, say, Justice Antonin Scalia and Neil Gorsuch have kind of expressed, where you know the Constitution is central to uh, what I'm to, to my decisions and so forth. Uh, a concept of judicial restraint, where uh, you basically defer to the legislature even when it comes to whether or not uh, a statute or that's been properly uh, legislated or a policy that's been properly promulgated uh, is constitutional or not. You, de- you defer uh, to the legislature, and basically your starting point is the assumption that it is actually constitutional, as it's clearly not. But everything has to be looked at through the prism of the Constitution itself. And when it's clearly unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. But I wouldn't necessarily strike a, a law simply because I disagreed with it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's my opinions are irrelevant. You know, it really comes down to what does the Constitution say and understanding that, that words have meaning. And, uh, you know, there's uh, some uh, principles of statutory interpretation where you actually look at uh, the legislative intent you know, you try to figure out what did the legislature mean here and everything. And it's some concept I was taught in law school and everything. But I heard Justice Scalia talking about it in an interview one time, and he was talking about how legislative intent is kind of irrelevant, you know, because really if you've got a group of, say, 100 members of the House of Representatives in the state and they have a bill that's submitted to them and it goes through the meat grinder of the legislature, of the legislative process as far as, okay, we're going to take this out, we're going to put this in and all that. And then you finally get something, a piece of legislation that says what it says. And then it passes, and then a few years later, you've got a judge scratching his head trying to figure out, you know, what what did the legislature mean when they wrote this? Because, you know, it doesn't matter. Forget about what they meant because it probably meant one thing to one legislate, legislator. It probably meant something else to another legislator. You know, you got these notes and all these different committees, but at the end of the day, all that legislative history uh, – and legislative intent is just irrelevant really what does the law say you know yeah they're the ones that wrote the law and and they finally compromised on some language there's probably some legislators that weren't really happy with the way the words came out Mm -hmm. because it's not really what they intended some others say this is perfect as, as far as what i intended Maybe they had different intentions for the wording they put in there, but really when it comes down to it, you got to have some certainty in what you're what you're looking at as far as uh, interpretation of statutes and everything. So you just look at the words themselves and see if you can reconcile those with the Constitution. All right. Last uh, last thing, I want to go back. We got one minute left. I want you to go back and uh, discuss quickly 
these two packs that are out uh, running their ads. You are not working with those packs, correct? Not at all. I mean, not at all. I mean, I think the only thing I can do is just stay as far away from that as what I can. Uh, you know, one uh, one group is uh, called the Judicial Crisis Network, and they're running some ads that obviously uh, are uh, not not real flattering to Justice Goodson. Uh, I don't have anything to do with that. They did the same thing when she was running against Dan Kemp two years ago for Chief Justice. I didn't have anything to do with it then. Uh, the other group is the Republican State uh, Leadership uh, Committee, and they're they're not um, they're different from the Judicial Crisis Network. Mm-hmm. All their donors are are transparent and everything, and they've been coming in, uh, running ads in support of me. And uh, but I, I'm not coordinating with either one of them. I have nothing to do with them. Never talked to anybody there. Um, I you know so I I'm just running my own positive campaign. Uh, raising my own money, putting my own radio ads out and everything else. Uh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, keeping my eye on this election, and that's it. And I'm trying not to get distracted by what they're doing. All right. David Sterling, thank you very much. Remember, the polls are open. Early voting, uh, final voting is the 22nd of May, and that is the decision you'll make who you want on the Supreme Court. Thank you, David. Appreciate your time. Thank you guys so much. All right. A break. We've got news coming up. I'll see you again tomorrow at 2. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.